Welcome back to Desperation Point. I almost said welcome back to Queen of Embers. It still feels like I know it's been like since we haven't played since March, but like I just I still get in this mode of like welcome back to blah 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 and doing it for sixty nine <laughs> nice game sessions. Uh, I still want to say Queen of Embers. Anyway, welcome back to Desperation Point. Um, I'm your game master, Daniel Fox. Um, you can't see us, but you'll hear us all. Okay. Mike or Juice, as he's known on online now. Maybe we'll put that in the next. <laughs> oh book. yeah, I need to switch that. Uh, <laughs> Adam and uh, and Nick, and the people you know and love from uh, this amazing game that we're playing called Desperation Point, which is a game where I do zero prep between game sessions. This is all off the cuff, based on some of the stuff we've played in previous games, um, and we're just doing it that way. Uh, by the way, Mike. Uh, your new nickname in uh, in the credits for Flames of Freedom is going to be Mike Juice Bossler. Oh, this is what we were going with this time? Okay. Well, I wasn't going to put El Jefe, El Jefe but um, it's up to you. You think Juice or El Jefe is better? I mean, Juice is my alien characters, but uh, yeah, I mean, I don't care. What, what <laughs> about game? Mike? Not fuck you, Mike. <laughs> so we can't use the F word. Yeah, I don't think no, we can no, do that. Book. <laughs> This is this goes to PR. So, um, <laughs> Mike, not downstairs, Mike Bossler. <laughs> Mike, not downstairs, Mike Bossler. <laughs> okay, fine. Mike, not downstairs, Mike Bossler. There it is. Boy, Mike V gets a semi shout out. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> and to and to prove to you that this is actually happening live in real time, I'm flipping to the documents, uh, or you can see the credits, and you'll notice everybody additional contributions. Uh, as listed up here, and of course, if you can see my screen, which you're, which we're sharing, <laughs> nobody else, listeners can't see it. But it's Mike, not downstairs. Mike not downstairs, Mike. <laughs> I love that you're making reference to the you know person that's your support, your other half. Like, oh, yeah. yeah, it's yeah. beautiful. <laughs> I've been together for like eight years hey. now. I mean, <laughs> living together. But since these are episodes are coming out on um, sessions. Uh, since these sessions are coming out <laughs> on uh, Patreon, you know, if, if you are one of our patrons, um, you'll know because we refer to Upstairs and Downstairs Mike all the time on our Radiator podcast because they both play. Yeah, mm-hmm. Upstairs. There's, there's... Is that what you always call them? Because I know the other nickname. Well, yeah, no, fuck you, Mike. Yeah, it's fuck you, Mike. No, fuck you, Mike. Yeah. Downstairs Mike is fuck you, Mike. Upstairs Mike is no fuck you, Mike. Um, yeah but isn't it it funny that uh also we apologize for uh (laughs) not getting episode or uh session six out sooner because we had some issues with it but isn't it weird that uh uh, session six got corrupted because six is the number of chaos Mm. and it was a chaotic episode number two yeah it, it exploded. Bad. That's what happened. <laughs> it exploded, yes. Glad <laughs> it wasn't a gunpowder no. weapon because then it would explode on one and six. Mm-hmm. Well, didn't we have problems with the recording on one as well? I don't remember. <laughs> I think we did. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, I'm hoping to recover. It, uh, I'm hoping to recover it um, tonight. But we'll, yeah, we'll update. Um, 
not just patrons, because this actually, Desperation Point, I don't know if all of you know this, but Adam and I made the decision to make this a public patron exclusive podcast. So um, this is actually isn't available in our podcast um, channel. Normally you just have to get a patron and, and Patreon and listen to it. It's free. You don't have to log in or anything like that, um, but you can, <laughs> yeah, we're hoping it draws more attention to what you all are doing. Grim Perilous Tutios. Um, yeah. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. So um, speaking of which um, we are on game session seven today and something pretty important outside the story happened um uh at the end of last game session i guess we're moving to new professions today mm-hmm. um we're 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 gonna we're gonna move into intermediate tier and because we're using flames of freedoms um advanced schema for professions abilities and gaining reward points and all that stuff um we're not gonna jump into the game session quite yet but we are going to talk about um our new our new professions for our characters um we didn't do this outside of the game uh partially because we forgot but more importantly <laughs> we want <laughs> mm-hmm. more importantly we want to actually get this online like let's get it recorded it's content baby um uh no that i think i i always like doing these things together um i know we've we've kind of done you know it's funny since we made the switch to recording our game sessions um it's i've really enjoyed listening to old sessions i don't watch them i can't watch myself i think we're all kind of that way but i I enjoy listening to them yeah i enjoy listening to them in the car i like enjoy listening to them like to recap myself on like when we built characters last like because i think when we look at queen of embers as an example like we have session zero we have around i think it was game session 24 four or 26 when we moved to intermediate tier and then like we moved to advanced tier like on session 59 um so it's interesting to see when i when i listen back for myself at least you may you may or may not share this uh, experience but i listen to those and it's interesting to see how characters have evolved and i think especially for desperation point where we're kind of doing this all off the cuff where there's no game master prep where we're literally kind of open sandbox you all make your own decisions i drop a few story hooks in you follow them you create your own too it'll be interesting to see how this development happens so um i think we'll spend probably most of today going through creation and and um the only thing i will ask of you all not the listeners but i'll ask of k mike Adam and Nick is that because we are doing recording and because we don't have video and because we don't actually, you know, we don't have a camera on us looking down at the book, I would ask for us to be, to talk about what we're doing, um, to talk about the choices we're making to be, because normally we would just like bury our head in a book and be like, I like this profession. I like that profession. I'm going to do this. I think maybe we should talk about this kind of openly just to kind of, you know, one, we can kind of share among each other and two, our listeners have something to, I don't know learn a little bit more about where we as people and where our characters are, are, are kind of going. So um, I, there really isn't a turn order here, <laughs> right? <laughs> you don't need an initiative ladder to we'll like finish it. That's right. Um, maybe we can start first, like by kind of resetting everyone, everyone who's listening, including ourselves. Like let's, let's, I'll start with Kay. We'll say what our character's name is and what their current profession is. So Kay, Tell us who your character's name is and then your profession currently. Okay. Um, so I play Keegan Sweets Shug, uh, and he is a, sorry, just a second. 
He is a burger valet. So he is a uh, valet profession. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Mike, what do you play? Who are you and what do you play? I am Calvin Redding, and I am playing a Hedgewise. Magic man! Magic uh, man. Yeah. Uh, what about yourself, Adam? Uh, my character's name is Collinsworth Redding, and I'm currently playing as an animal tamer. Taming animals. Handling yeah, since, them. Taming them. Speaking of handling animals and taming them, you should cover the bird because he's <laughs> about to start cover, singing. Cover, bird, cover the bird. Cover the bird! <laughs> yeah. Cool. Um, and then finally, Nick. I am playing Osbert, clumsy, mannering, the jester. Ha-ha, the japester, if you will. So, um, obviously, you know, uh, it's been a week. I know we've kind of talked kind of in at a higher level about what we may want to play. Um, I think some transition to new professions will be easier than others. Uh, in the case of Mike as an example, Calvin will have a little bit more work because he's going to select some new spells from Flames of Freedom, and he's also going to select a new profession. So um, let's actually talk about like what like what the next profession may be, and, and we, whoever wants to start can start. Okay, I'll go. I'll go. Sure. Uh, I, last week I, I did mention that I was uh, considering going into Caravan Mystic. Uh, after looking at it a little bit more, I noticed the drawback was whenever I use my uh, ability, I will not be able to walk for 1d10 plus 1 days. So mm-hmm. being as how this is a very travel-y type of game, I don't, kind of reconsidered. And um, I kind of thought about what I wanted to do with this character. And since we have been doing a lot of overland travel, I thought it made sense uh, for the story that Osbert should switch to the Nomad character from Main Gosh. Tell us a little about the Nomad. The Nomad... Um, so their uh, their ability, uh, their trait, it's called weatherworn. Every nomad nomad hails from one of three regions. Each region has a born in it, a natural resistance and hardiness into those who grew up in it. So the effect is you select one of these regions: northerner, midlander, or southerner. You gain one of the following traits by region, and I have chosen the midlander. As a midlander, you always succeed in skill tests to resist the effects of physical peril. In addition, you never suffer from starvation. Nice. Uh, so the drawback is wanderlust. A nomad dislikes being tied down to one place permanently. A vagabond's life is never is is what best suits them. So the effect is, anytime you're in an urban environment, you can never be restored unhindered on the peril condition track, only to imperiled. Interesting. Yeah, that's an interesting choice. Uh, it'll certainly make your travels in the north a little easier. And because, I mean, Osbert's from Aglador, so mm-hmm. um, that is considered, quote, the Midland, if you will, um, if we're talking about on the on the world map. Um, so that's interesting, yeah. Did you, did you have any other alternatives that you'd looked at beyond that? 
Um, I considered a couple other things, but I, I was I was trying to confine it to expert professions. I just didn't really qualify for a lot of them. So I think that when I move into my uh, expert tier or my my third tier here, uh, I'll probably look again. But for now, I think um, I try to whenever I do characters, I try to not like think from like the end when I'm making a character and kind of like choose a choose a profession that goes along with this my story choices and stuff like that yeah um so that's kind of why I thought because I, I thought nomad because I uh I've been getting in a lot of um wilderness travel type stuff and since he's a nomad hit Osborne hasn't gotten angry very much so nomad makes sense yeah that's interesting <laughs> yeah well Sorry, um <laughs> so if yeah well done uh, that's number one i think for tonight <laughs> I, I, i've given up on doing counters at this point so. it, only <laughs> if there was a macro in roll 20 that we could track puns against if you are if our if any of our listeners um <laughs> know about creating macros in roll 20 what one, one of the Let's I do. Game, let's not gamify this. No. I would say I do, but uh, no, because no. then you guys will do it more often so that you can actually trigger said macro. And I know that. So the great thing is, is as game master, <laughs> uh, I, this is for our listeners. If any of our listeners knows how to make counters in Roll20 with a macro, let us know in Discord so we can track the number of puns Per session and every pun that is made k gets to deduct 10 reward points from everyone <laughs> now 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 k is thinking <laughs> she's like I'll I don't make know. It that seems that seems rather punishing, punishing. yeah yeah that's where i was going next <laughs> you said it <laughs> <laughs> Two. We're two for two tonight. That's minus 20 reward points. <laughs> um, I'm kidding about the minus reward points. But yeah, if you're a listener and you know how to make macros, you know how to make a simple counter macro, we throw, throw it in the Discord uh, in at K. Let her know about it. She'd, love, she'd love to see. <laughs> <I'm sure. laughs> uh, okay, so mo- moving on. Um, who wants to go next? Would you like uh, to go I next? can. Okay. Oh, okay, sure. Sure. Yeah, Adam? Uh, um what I'm thinking about right now is uh, Badlander. Uh, I'm thinking that as we're, you know, we, we've already been sort of surviving in the wilderness and we've, and I've had a little bit of experience, but now we are being put through the ringer on it. Um, so I think that uh, coming up here and, and going through this experience is galvanizing him in that direction. Um, but I'm yeah. I'm not entirely decided on that. Um, so the professional trait would be leaf on the wind, and uh, it's uh, you are always able to provide enough food and water to live on, never suffering from the effects of starvation or sleep deprivation. And then the drawback would be enjoy the silence. Um, you never critically succeed at fellowship-based skill tests, even if you roll a match. In addition, you cannot take advantage of talents, traits, magic, or fortune points to modify any fellowship-based skill test. Interesting. So, What's your alternative to Badlander? I'm still looking for it right now. Um, I was looking through 
advanced or ex expert professions. Yeah. And um, I didn't really see any there. Now I'm going to go back and look through basic. Cool. Well, let's uh, let's move on to somebody else who who may know what they want to do. Um, Anna or uh, Kay, or do you do you know what you want to move Keegan into yet? I do. Um, yeah, I made my decision last week. So, like after game and everything. So when I was looking at it, um, to be honest, like it felt like because I kept looking at expert professions because of course that's what you always want to do. You know, if you mm -hmm. can help it because they have like better yeah they yeah. tend to have um you know better stats and everything better all that but honestly keegan hasn't evolved so it didn't make sense um and none of them really fit when i read through at least not for the person that he is at this time so instead i went with the next closest npc uh style profession i could think of which is camp follower um, oh, interesting. That's actually a very fitting one for him as well. Yeah. So, what does what does a camp follower do? Uh, so, uh, as far as the camp follower goes, uh, just a second, I'm pulling it back up here. Uh, so, their trait is feast or famine. Um, you can a attempt a survival or tradecraft test to cook for others. If successful, a number of allies equal to your fellowship bonus moves one step up the damage condition track positively and recovers their peril condition track to unhindered, whether they're resting in a dangerous place or not. That actually will help Osbert, um, potentially. <laughs> uh, if your role is a critical success, you affect a number of allies equal to three times your fellowship bonus instead. A character may only gain the benefits of this meal once per day, mm -hmm. which takes an hour to prepare. Mm-hmm. And yeah, to be honest, that's um, that's about the closest I could figure to what makes sense for how he's kind of going as character. Yeah, cool. Um, and then what I was also looking at is that the camp follower, one of their talents, I believe, is the same. No, it's not. Okay, never mind. We're good. I th I was thinking one was a copy over from Valet, but it's not. So we're good. Yeah, no, no, no duplication between talents. Yep. Cool. It's good. I do have a suggestion, though. Uh -oh. it, it's a little uh, off ball, but uh, there's the Blitz Baller, uh, which uh, has a lineman option where uh, their professional trait is when you assist others with skill tests, they may flip the results to succeed at tests. So not only would you be giving people two dice, unable to critical fail, but they'd also be able to flip to succeed. Mm hmm. I mean, from a stats perspective, yeah, but I don't put, I'm not a maxer. Makes no sense. I know. That's why I said it was off the ball. No, I mean, no. Like, yeah. Really? <laughs> Number three. Anyway, no, so like, I, I, and, you know, if I was going for like best stats or whatever, yeah. But to be honest, like, I could have found ways to potentially game the system. Yeah. Hey, hey I think there are some other, uh, quote unquote, um, like NPC-ish style classes. Uh, if you're if you're looking oh, the shopkeeper them. one, the shopkeeper. I was looking uh, through Mangouch, but none yeah. of them really made sense either. Like I really do feel like Camp Followers probably the I most think accurate to what he would be. Yeah, you have to remember that a profession is not just a collection of math and metrics. It's also a definition of the direction your character is going from a story perspective. So. Um, when we when we yeah. choose professions, we have to remember that. Um, mm -hmm. And I th I think the choice that you make Keegan or for Keegan is smart. Um, sure, <laughs> that definitely plays toward kind of what 
you've been doing, Kay, and I think to your point around that, you know, what direction is Keegan going to go? Well, we'll, we'll find out. We'll see how camp, what happens after camp follower, but. Um, yeah. Like I, he didn't evolve. He hasn't changed. He got, hasn't gotten any better as a person. So why what, would he have a more evolved what, profession? What talents does the camp follower have? Uh, they have carousing, which could work. Um, mm. I, I make him, <laughs> he starts to get drunk after having to deal with all this shit. Um, <laughs> rent, which completely makes sense because get the fuck out of there. And then strong jaw which also makes sense because he tends to jump in front of things and uh, it would make sense that he figures out finally how to take a punch. Yeah. Yeah. Strong is a good one. So. so I found another, mm. um, and this, this may speak a little bit more as to particularly what we've been doing in game and that is trapper. Um, mm. Because we've been trying to trap animals all mm-hmm. whole bunch while we were up here. Um, and, uh, the professional trait of that one is it's a trap. (laughs) Of course. And, uh, you automatically spot hidden traps without having to make a skill test. Furthermore, you may flip the results to succeed at skill tests to create and disarm traps. Um, and then the talents are azimuth, rural sensibility and take them down. Those are all good ones. Yeah. Um, I would probably discourage you all from choosing talents that reflect actions in combat for Zweihander for obvious reasons, um, because some like parallel stunts to some degree don't exist really in Flames of Freedom. Mm-hmm. Um, so keep that in mind. Um, so Badlander or Trapper, like which one that feels a little bit more appealing to you? Um, you know, like. Honestly, Trapper, just because it really does feel like the closer move um, mm-hmm. to what's been going on. I think Badlander may be more appropriate later, but we're still pretty new up here. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it's just, frankly, that's what we've been doing more of in this game is, is trapping than bad landing. <laughs> I don't yeah. think anyone's ever played it, a trapper character in any of our games either. Well, just I guess none of us really saw a trapper as a keeper. Oh god damn it. We you know, we had one campaign where uh, <laughs> someone carried around a bear trap a lot. Who what, what, what which one was that? Do you remember Matt, that? Matt Fulbright and yeah, it was yeah. Otrig and Quincy in the North. It was in this it was this it was in Stonehold, like pre pre <laughs> besiegement by the white wolf yeah that's he, why yeah. that's why there's been no trappers because all of them are up north and there was a campaign <laughs> yeah. yet well inter- what's interesting about trappers now you can kind of see you know before you jump into calvin's next move you can see kind of like where you started like just your animal tamer hedge wise servant and now it's like nomad trapper camp follower basically all, all around survival like how the hell are we gonna live here in the north um, which speaks to some of the elements that I think are really kind of coming into play with, with Desperation Point. And, 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 and that's really about, um, it's not just about fighting stuff, it's about surviving this terrible wilderness, which, you know, you, you can't readily defeat. You can't just swing your sword or fire a gun at it. Um, you can't beat away its bag of hit points. Like, it's going to... There's going to be things that it poses against you, and these are really wise choices, I think, for for characters. Um, 
Calvin, let's let's move to you, Mike. Or Mike, let's move to you. Yeah. So Calvin? So with Calvin, I was thinking elementalist. Um as uh, I kind of wanted to uh, lean more towards nature, and I and I end up rolling a, I remember a motto that was like nature, like prefers simplicity or something like that, and I was like, all right, that fits. It seems to go real well. Um, so their um, professional trait allows them to pick two seasons. In one season, they can ignore two chaos dice when channeling power. And in one season, they can ignore one chaos dice when um, channeling power. So there's two parts of the year where, you know, an elementalist could be very powerful because they can just channel for two and not have to roll any dice. Mm -hmm. You know, they just get the extra ability to it. That's that's pretty cool. Now, they do have a drawback, though, where if they get six or more corruption, or in this case, conflict, they cannot cast spells. If they so, do that much, I'm sorry, it's not again. Six. <laughs> so that just, it, that just means you need to get tree panned. Well, it just means that <laughs> I have to be wary of stress, fear, or terror, right? No, no. Uh, and also, <laughs> uh, which is good because they have resolve, um, you know. So they, and so does Hedgewise. So um, then they're. There's some other things I can do with my third profession if I really wanted to like min max it. Um, cause there's a talent to where if you don't, uh, manifest, uh, there's, there's no chaos manifestation. You don't get the corruption for channeling power. So it's, it's this thing where like you, it's very powerful, but yeah, it's also curbed. So it's, uh, interesting. Plus I like some of their spells. Mm, yeah. What are, so uh, elementalist is a really interesting choice. One, because we've never had an elementalist in the game. Um, right. I'm assuming the seasons you're going to choose are the two foremost seasons, like spring and summer, like the um, ones that are right in front of you. I was thinking like spring and fall. Oh yeah. Uh, you know, now which one I do is, um, I mean, I'll probably just do spring one, fall two, but we'll yeah. see. Um, <clears throat> I don't know. So like I thought it might take longer to get here and I was like, oh, I'll figure yeah, it out. We'll yeah. figure it out. <laughs> so around the table, are you team fall or are you team autumn? Uh, fall like i think i always called it fall what about you adam i like autumn better but uh i grew up calling it fall yeah okay i want to be an autumn person but i'm a fall person yeah <laughs> <laughs> what about you nick i think i feel like i use both mainly just fall like i'd say yeah, yeah fall. my my wife makes fun of me endlessly uh, because i call it autumn i'm team autumn um oh. she, she calls me Mr. Fancy Pants. Um, oh, <laughs> but I, big words. I grew up calling it autumn because what you is what you call it in the Ozarks. The autumnal equinox. The autumnal equinox. In the Ozarks, we call it autumn. You know, call it falls what happens. But yeah, you know, it's kind of curious. So uh, whatever, whatever. To, yeah, whatever. I get I get what you're saying, but I love that you said it's fancy, but it's from the Ozarks that they call it. Autumn. <laughs> That's what, right. Um, okay. So some other things from the Ozarks you may not have heard is uh, we have pillows, radios, pillows. Wait, wait. Is it a washing machine or is the there washing an machine. It's a washing machine. Washing machine. Uh, yeah. how, do, how do you pronounce how do you pronounce what you put in cereal or what comes out of milk? Uh, oh. Damn it. it comes out of a cow. <laughs> milk. Right. Mel- well, milk. Ma- milk, if you're white. Or milk. 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 
is what we call in the Ozarks. I have to correct, I have to correct, I have to correct myself and say milk. But I grew up calling it milk. Milk. Yeah. With like a U? Huh. Like milk. Yeah. Like yeah. It's, like just talking like this, talking about milk. Like that. Like you don't even recognize it. Like all these weird Ozarkian things, I've, I recognize them now myself. In fact, um, for our listeners, if you've heard Walter talk, um, he has an Ozarkian accent. Yeah, um, he does. I used to sound just like that as a kid. Um, my four-year-olds around my mom a lot. My mom sounds like that. So I have to yeah. correct myself. A lot of my uh, Mulk. a lot of my family's from the Ozarks, and mm-hmm. I found that, uh, you know, and my grandparents' age, and I found that a lot of a lot of the men say it that way, and a lot of the women say it milk, milk, <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, Calvin, um, what are the two seasons you think you're going to go with? Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with spring for one, and then autumn for two. <laughs> we won you over. <laughs> Team Autumn. Um, also, the name of a stripper, I'm sure, somewhere. Um, God forgive Ball you, listeners, if you're <laughs> really not great. <laughs> I'm calling uh, it Autumn because the game calls it Autumn. It does call Autumn. That's right. It was a, it was a stylistic choice. Um, so what do you? So what would you do in like Game of Thrones? Like, what season do you choose? <laughs> uh, I would be a summer winter. child, obviously. I, <laughs> summer, winter. Winter's coming, and I, and I am not aware. <laughs> that's right. Um, winter, um, obviously. So Calvin's a little bit more complex because he has spells. Um, so first off, looking at your elementalist spells, do you know what petty one one petty and one lesser spell you're going to choose will be? It's for you, Mike. I'm sorry, what was that? I have my volume so, kicked out. <laughs> no, it's okay. Uh, so for an elementalist, um, obviously you get one petty and one lesser whenever mm-hmm. you enter the profession. Like what spells do you think are compelling to you? Ooh. So, I mean, there's several that were compelling. Like the petty ones, uh, let me get back to those. Uh, yeah, because there's Blood of the Earth, which is petty. There's Through Thick and Thin. Uh, and then there's Crown of Thorns. Jesus. So, uh, Blood of the Earth, I, I kind of really liked because what you do is you have a knife, you stick it into the ground, and for every minute that you do that, uh, you can remove one step up the peril condition track positively, which I'm just like, that's super cool. But basically, you're just like drawing strength from the earth. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other one I was really looking at was, uh, and, I, and the one I'll probably go with is Through Thick and Thin. Yeah, because uh, after successfully casting this spell, the person you touch doesn't need to eat or drink to survive for the duration of the spell, which is three plus my willpower in days. Nice, that'll be great for travel. Right. So if I'm just like, you know what, I don't need to worry about rations. I'm just gonna, you know, not eat for a week. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, and not have to worry about starvation. Um, now, if I critically fail, then bad things happen. But you know, yeah, it's always fun. <laughs> yeah, that's not the that's the that's the that's the drawback, right? So. Uh huh. <laughs> and then for lesser, uh, there's a couple. Uh, let's see here. Like Pillars of the Earth was very interesting. Great book. Um, great TV show. Pillars of the Earth. If you haven't read it or seen the TV show, I definitely recommend reading the book. Anyway, total aside. So what it does is uh, after you successfully cast the spell, you're immediately swallowed into the earth and reappear anywhere in, within sight. So it's basically almost like a teleport. <laughs> kind of like I could be like, oh, I, I see the top of a mountain. 
I could move there. <laughs> it's like it's like the Raiden teleport, right? Yeah, or or sorry, the Kung Lao uh, teleport where you can dance with yourself. Yeah, that's fun. And, and the other one was uh, Springs Bounty, which I feel like is uh, probably something I'll go for just because it thematically works well with this mm-hmm. campaign. Which is after successfully casting the spell, you cause one place to instantly birth forth with life as crops, flowers, bushes, and the like slowly blossom. Uh, like a harvest is very likely in autumn, and this can be used on fallow and despoiled land, restoring mm-hmm. it to its fertile nature. So I feel That's like fun. you could use this spell kind of over long periods of time to help kind of recover the area around Stonehold. Yeah, I'm, I'm reminded of an old D&D campaign from years ago where uh, a cleric and a invoker were basically spent an entire summer in the game world using rock, or using mud to rock and casting permanency on it to build walls. Um, <laughs> imagine if Calvin could just cast spells and like cause all of the land around um, Stonehold to become fertile once again. It's really intriguing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so that that's uh, yeah. Those are the two spells from Elementalists I was going to go with because they kind of yeah. caught my eye. And I think you were also looking at some spells from Flames of Freedom as well. I was. So before we get into that, I want to talk a little bit about what's different about Flames of Freedom spells. Um, so first off, uh, Mike and, and, and the rest of everybody has only seen probably about, there's only 30-ish spells that have been created so far. Um, and the first thing that you're going to see with these spells is they actually have a requirement. There's no longer petty, less, or greater. It's just about... Um, what the required tier is. Mm-hmm. So um, the ones that you're seeing, you can't see on the other side. Obviously, nobody else can see this but Mike right now, but um, I can share it out with everybody else while we're talking if you want to see it. Nonetheless, um, they have a requirement, casting time, distance, reagent, just like before, um, crit success, crit failure, state, um, all that fun stuff. You're kind of familiar, like I said, you're kind of familiar with a lot of this mm-hmm. already. Um up to and um, including uh, duration, which is now at the end, um, because the the order of which spells are presented in Flames of Freedom are a little different, because typically nobody's going to look at the duration first. They're going to look at the, what I need to cast it, how long is it going to take, what other agents do I need, what happens when I do it, what's the success and failure state, and then how long will it last. Mm-hmm. So um, that's that's kind of the way it is, it's set up. So, um, there's obviously a lot of spells here. Um, there's Babble Brook, Bludgeon with Elements, um, Divine Breath, Cool Body, Form a Cloud, Rainfall, Preservation, Petrified Person, Withdraw Sickness. There's all kinds of really interesting spells here. Um, I just shared it out with everybody else if you want to take a look at it too. I shared it to your Gmail addresses. Um, are there any that like catch your eye here that you find interesting? I mean... There's about two dozen of them, and my first pass, I picked about a dozen. I was just like, oh, that seems cool. I'm going to write that down. Yeah. That's cool. I'm going to write that down. So, I mean, there wasn't one that I was just like, oh, man, that's bad. I mean, and so I'm like, oh, man, if I got to narrow this down to six now, uh, we'll see how it goes. Bludgeon yeah. with Elements is fun. Uh, I think that yeah. was one of the, the better, one of the fun ones to write. Uh, yeah. I'll, I'll talk, let's, actually, I'll have you talk, I'll have you enunciate, like, just, let's have you, tell us what it does. Like, just read it off. Yeah. So... Um, the requirements, basic tier, casting time, one minute or one AP. Distance, any one person you can 
see clearly. Uh, the, the reagent is a breath of air, a pebble, a match, or a water skin, depending on which element I choose. And the effect, depending on the element, um, so you roll an incantation test, and then the foe, um, unable to defend or resist its effects. Okay, so it automatically, they automatically, automatically happens. Okay. Uh, if it's air, uh, they are gutted, or, and which means they must spend one additional AP for movement actions until the end of the combat. Uh, if it's earth, then they gain the, the strained condition where they must spend one additional AP for attack actions until the end of combat. Uh, fire is intimidated, so you suffer the minus one to damage threshold impaired threshold until the end of combat. And water, you would gain uh, disoriented, where you must spend one additional AP for reactions until the end of combat. So it's kind of a cool way to debuff your enemy. Mm-hmm. What's a crit success and crit failure state? So crit success, the person also drops one object either in hand or from their side three yards away, basically Whoa. making it yeah, <laughs> making it really where they have to spend extra AP to move, pick it up, and all that sort mm-hmm. of stuff. So that's great. Critical failure, though, uh, you suffer the combat condition instead and drop one item either in hand or from your side for three yards away. So mm-hmm. that's kind of interesting. It could have a reverberating effect. Yep, that's right. Yeah, that's one of my favorite ones that I wrote. And in fact, um, the Flames of Freedom uh, spells don't... Ha- There's zero spells under common spells that actually have damage associated with it. Mm-hmm. They're all kind of unique mm-hmm. in that. Um, what, was the, what was the other one that really caught your eye that you thought was interesting? Um, I mean, I basically just was... Yeah. Um, let's see. I mean, I... Hmm... It was a big one that I was like, yeah, I almost have to have that. Um, ooh, I like the discern persona uh, where you can successfully roll an incantation and you immediately learn the disposition of one character. You can clearly see and hear. In addition, you can discern whether they are being truthful or telling lies when speaking with them directly. Like that, it's that kind of like tell truth, you know, spell, but it also allows you to discern their disposition. So that could be very helpful in like um, social combat and stuff like that, or just kind of figuring out how you can move the NPC to do something you want. I think the crit success uh, state was a, um, a copy paste error because it said oh, yeah? you restore all your apparel. Um, it's actually, <laughs> you can discern lies and truth uh, with a certain percentage of crit success. Um, state oh, okay yeah i thought that was i'm like man that's really powerful like okay yeah, yeah. <laughs> but your crit failure state is like you can't tell the truth and everyone knows it around you yeah <laughs> whoops in the last an hour <laughs> right last an hour mm-hmm. now i'm not clear on what a glass or metal receptacle with a closing lid is is that just like fill in or is that actually like a reagent i that's a reagent. So like you'd have a receptacle would be like, you know, like a metal box, small metal mm-hmm. box, um, or uh, one made of glass. Okay. Yeah. A bottle. Mm-hmm. A bottle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A bottle's a receptacle. Bottle, yeah. r- bottle rum that you drink. Bottle rum. Blah, 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 blah. That's right. Yeah. I think one that I will pick though is uh, divine breath just because uh, how useful it is. Tell, tell us about divine breath. Rattle it so, off. All right, so casting time is three hours. Distance is by touch. 
reagents is a fire, which you breathe its smoke inward and exhale over the wounded. And the effect is after successfully rolling an incantation test, you move a person one step up the damage and peril th- condition track positively. Uh, so it's basically kind of a heal spell, which mm-hmm. in Swyhander, you have to like really focus for, uh, which is kind of cool. Yeah, But the critical success is they are moved up two steps on the damage and peril condition track positively instead. And critical failure, which is probably what I'm going to roll, is as you blow the smoke over them, they fall asleep and experience strange dreams. Awaking six hours later, they are incapacitated and gain three conflict. So... That's interesting. So you can use that spell on someone who is particularly injured... Uh, like their their damage condition track, track is really low, uh-huh. um, so and the difficulty isn't any higher. Uh, right. So then a, an actual healer can come in after the fact and have a mm-hmm. better chance at healing. Right. It's be, it's like how you would take a laudanum first and mm-hmm. then get bandaged up. Yep. Mm-hmm. Or take a take a bandage or take laudanum, get healed with a bandage, bind wounds, and then get divine breath cast on you. Yep. Yeah, I mean, and then yeah, there's a lot of ways to heal up now, so that's kind of cool. Yeah, yeah. Divine Breath is also nice. It's also three-hour casting time. <laughs> yeah, no, that, I, I didn't read that as yeah. well as I had, and I was like, oh, man, that is a long time. But, yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's super powerful, so. Yep. You can't combat heal. <laughs> is, it right. one, is it one subject, or can you do multiple? I mean, I guess I can keep doing it three hours at a time. No, I mean, like, is it is it just the target is just one person, right? It's the person I'm touching, so by okay. touch. So you can't touch like three people. No, <laughs> so my it, and, and, to, and to be clear, what touch means is you're blowing the smoke over the person. Like, it's yeah. essentially that kind of like you're you're smudging, right? You're smudging your house to like increase your positive spirits. Um, but yeah, the intention is that you're blowing divine smoke you're inhaling it you're inhaling the fire and concentrating over it and as you blow the smoke out that's when it heals somebody it's divine it's divine breath um something that's interesting here that that you've probably not seen before uh is that common spells like a lot of spells in flames of freedom actually have extended casting it's not just one two or three ap um in fact uh every spell has an amount of time to spend before casting it uh, those that are cast in, cast in one minute or less will have an action point cost associated with them. Spells that require more than a minute require an equal number of rounds to cast if done during combat. Um, if the casting is interrupted, the spell immediately fails. It has to be cast again. So if for some reason your divine breath spell was interrupted, you have to start all over. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so keep that in mind, obviously. Yeah, and then there's a couple others that I thought were interesting, like Eyes of the Eagle. Mm-hmm. Uh, it takes, an, it takes an hour to cast. It's touched is the distance. Reagents is a feather plucked from a live eagle expended. And then the effect is after successfully rolling an incantation test, increase the distances by three plus willpower bonus, which with that long rifle would be ridiculous. <laughs> so I don't, I don't know if I'd actually take it, but yeah, that'd be, that'd be, a literal that'd be sniper. Yeah. yeah, like what's the crit success? The crit success is it also grants the ability to see in the dark. And the critical failure is an eagle screams overhead as it attacks you. So 
but I only see that as a positive because that just means I get more reagents, right? You have to catch it <laughs> live. What? That's what I got Collinsworth for. So I'm huddling over, crouched down in the fetal position, protecting my head. And uh, yeah, Collinsworth will capture it for me. Uh, awesome. We got it. We just need to get it. We need to get an eagle feather first. And Super then Redding Brothers. Hope that you fail it. That way exactly. we get an eagle. Yep. <laughs> oh, God. Where are we at? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh. Um, uh, of these other spells, or was there anything else that kind of stood out to you? Um. Yeah. I mean, let's see here. I mean, I can just. Can, I'm just kind of scrolling down through the uh, list. I mean, um, I mean, there are some good ones. I just don't know how well they'll apply yeah. in our kind of situation. I mean, there's one uh, that uh, I can. Where to go? It's the where you have the coal and you can basically allow someone to ignore the cold condition. Like that'd be kind of cold, uh, cool, but... Uh, oh, fire's warmth. Is that what it is? Okay, I scrolled past it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so that was kind of a cool one. Um, I mean, you got... I mean, I always like a, th- a good thunderclap, uh, right? Because uh, that will get back down to that one. What's thunderclap? Uh, are you t- oh thunderclap? Yeah, go ahead and um, go ahead and tell us about that spell. Get back to it. Where did I miss? How did I miss it? Look, it says thunderclap. Yeah, no, I wrote it down. Two words. Thunder. Oh, thunder. All right. So it takes one minute or one AP to cast. Distance is any place you can see clearly. Reagent, you clap your hands together or clap one hand with another person nearby so I can That's high five right, someone. That's right, high five. <laughs> That's right. Because remember that we have to be, we have to be, we have to remember that um, to cast spells, you only need a hand free, mm-hmm. right? It doesn't require both hands to be able to cast magic. And if for some reason you only have one hand, like so maybe you have a prosthetic hand as an example, like, yeah. Give the most tremendously awesome high five to your to your companion. So what happens? Uh, go ahead and roll the r- r- rattle off the effect. <laughs> All right. So the effect. So after you successfully roll an incantation test, people caught in a burst template cannot or, or burst template cannot or fails to resist using eavesdrop. They are momentarily deafened. While deafened, they are unable to hear and must spend a coin to take their next turn. Yikes. Yeah. What's the, what's the crit success one? As above, but people are also momentarily blinded. While blinded, they are unable to see and must spend a coin to take their next turn. Yeah, so this would be an additional coin. An additional coin, okay. Yeah, so spend two coins to take that next turn. Yeah. So, and then the critical failure is you are momentarily blinded and deafened, and foes gain the advantage of surprise against you until the end of combat, you must spend a coin to hear or see on your next turn. And the duration is instantaneous. Yep. So me and Collinsworth can constantly high five. And I can even go over to him in real life and high five him in real life. So it has to be hands though, right? It can't be like a uh, bear claw or, or <laughs> you know, it can't, can't be any like clattering of cups or mugs. Well, you know, however, however you think works best in the story, right? If okay. it makes sense to if it makes sense to bash shields together, if you had shields, sure. Um, okay. I don't know. It's kind of fun. Whatever, whatever so, you think is best. 
Well, I was wondering if you could go bottles and cans or just clap your hands. <laughs> or just clap your hands. <sighs> <laughs> we're at six. And now but we're that no was longer... really a pun. I guess it was kind of a, it was a pun in a song. I, I think... it's, it's where it's at. Okay, so I'm going to have to give a mulligan to that because anytime we combine a pun and a song together, that's a win state in my mind. Okay. So, but that follow-up pun you just made, Collinsworth, uh, we go back to six puns. Oh, so, uh, K is keeping track. That's minus 60 reward <laughs> points for the night. <laughs> and we never leveled again. <laughs> we never, ever. I know, this is going to be really hard if we actually had this rule where we don't gain reward points. I'm going to drop back down to first tier. Right. Mm-hmm. You're all a basic tier again. <laughs> Collinsworth becomes a basic bitch. Um, mm-hmm. That's the that's the outcome. Um, becomes? <laughs> becomes? already is no uh so what's the what name one other spell you really like and we can we can kind of move forward from here okay um when i was thinking of getting uh well let's see here oh where was it is it yeah okay spirit of the wood so casting time is one minute or one AP. Distance is any plants you can see clearly. Or pants, as I wrote, apparently. Any, any, <laughs> any pants. pants you can see clearly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This is what proofreaders are for, by the way. Yeah. Um, I'm just glad I, I said that properly then. This is why this is why <laughs> Jennifer Ford Rose is our uh-huh. um our proofreader on <laughs> Freedom. Because I guarantee Adam and I would both miss it. <laughs> I see my own pants. <laughs> An exposed I mean, if, planty line. If that was there, didn't we both miss it? It has a... <laughs> What's that? If, well, if that was there, though, didn't we both miss it? We haven't reviewed this yet. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Um. All right. So the reagent is a freshly cut green branch that you twist until snapped, which is expended. And the effect is after successfully rolling an incantation test and people caught in the burst template cannot or fails to resist using coordination become, or they are entangled while entangled. The people cannot move entangled. People cannot use actions in combat except to resist entanglement. If they start their turn in the spells burst template, they must resist once again, alternatively, you can use the spell to command trees to bend their branches down to be easily climbed or cause branches and underbrush to create a clear path. Yeah. So, yeah, I thought that was kind of really cool because it gives you the entangle, you know, in a burst. Um, and then also it allows you to kind of, you know, be a tree whisperer. You can climb up trees really easily. You can help clear a path, you know, it's, it's a pretty cool spell. And the critical success is reference an explosion template instead, which is bigger than a burst for those who are curious. Um, critical failure, the woods grow wildly around as you and all others within an explosion template must resist being entangled. <laughs> <laughs> and the duration is three plus willpower minutes. Yep. Yeah, willpower bonus minutes. Yeah. 
Yeah, so some clarification here should be a copse of trees. It can't just be like, oh, there's some grass growing there. Cool, spirit of the wood. <laughs> it should be uh, a collect, a copse of trees you can see clearly. Mm-hmm. So the, that might be helpful if we go into like the Rookin walls. Yeah, yeah, without a doubt. Let's do it. I love the word coppice. It's not used nearly as much. Um, coppices and is where woods have been basically cut back. Um, hmm. But I'm always in favor of finding a word, a better word for a collection of trees. <laughs> um, thicket doesn't quite work. Um, but nonetheless, yeah, that's fun. That's fun. Um, mm-hmm. that's a, those are some fun spells to consider. Um, obviously, choose as you will. I think what we're going to do is we're going to step away for just a few moments. We'll be right back um, to the podcast. We're going to step away and update our character sheets. And we'll be back in just a few moments. I think for our listeners, you're just going to hear like a slight beep and then we're going to come right back immediately. So don't worry about pausing or fast forwarding. We'll be right back in just one. And we'll be back in like, on our side, we'll be back in about 15 minutes. But on your side, we'll be back (laughs) in like the snap of a second. So here we go. Just like Thanos. All right. Um, We were gone in a snap, just like what happened. Um, But fortunately, we were not decimated um, by Thanos's click um we've updated our character sheets in roll 20 um we have chosen most of our spells that calvin is going to take for a test drive um in our in our game and um i think we're probably ready to um actually begin gameplay and and i think what we should probably do as as a part of this is familiarize ourselves with the order of operations when you start a game session. So uh, we're, we're just going to go through it. We've kind of done this a little bit in practice, we're actually gonna, but we're going to make it a pregame ritual from now on. Um, so obviously, uh, you know, f- we, we, we start first um, by doing our uh, pregame recap for, for RP. Um, if I'm not mistaken, actually, I'm sorry. Let me pull. Let me pull it up. Um, there's actually a little section under narrative tools that talks about it. So, okay. So here's the way it works. Uh, you spent reward points already. Um, let's take account of our conditions. So, what are current damage condition tracks? Or what's your current damage condition track around the table? I'm unharmed. Uh, I think you're all unharmed. If I'm not mistaken. Slightly wounded. Unharmed. Unharmed. Anybody suffering any injuries? No. Uh, so be sure to reset your conflict to zero. Um, if you've received any new trappings or weapons, go ahead and update uh, your mechanics for those. Um, and we'll and what we'll do next is actually determine the let's determine our coin pools, um, mine and yours. So I start with one automatically. So let's see how many you end up with. So let's roll one d six. So you've got one on your side, two on your side, three on your side. And we just need one more roll. It's Wrong. me. It's a me, Calvin. O. D6. Five. Okay, cool. So I have one coin. You have four coins. You no. have two. You have two. Adam rolled six. I oh. I got you covered, buddy. For some reason, my Google just went off <laughs> again. Because, you know, that's how Google does. Um, I don't know why she recognizes that. Like, nobody says something to her, but whatever. Um, so it's two, miss, 
two misfortune in my pool, three fortune in your pool. And then we need to determine the initiative ladder. So I'll go ahead and roll, determine your initiative real quick. <clears throat> I'll get the turn order set just so we have that in place. So roll your beautiful bean footage. Let's get some initiative on the ladder here. Keegan has 14. Osbert has 15. And Adam, wow, Collinsworth has 10. Oof. And we just need, um, we just need Calvin's. Need me. Always the last. I am always the yeah. last because yeah. it's weird I'm trying to copy these spells. <laughs> I know. Eighteen. Uh, Holy yeah. Crap. Well, let's save the best Collins. for last. That's right. I guess Collinsworth is going first tonight. I don't know. Or sorry, Calvin's going Ooh. first tonight. Wow. That's a heck of a roll. Okay, cool. So uh, now that we've established the initiative ladder, let's do a pregame recap of what happened last week. So um, we'll all jointly recap what happened during the previous session. Um, uh, so obviously game notes are encouraged as a part of the process. Making new friends, something momentous happened. Did you enter some deadly secret? Did any content that happened? Like, do you want to like potentially avoid in the future? Like content that maybe was triggering um if not that's fine if so we'll add it to our invisible touch the darkness content list which we don't currently have but we will um but let's go ahead and just talk about last game session so where did we start <clears throat> we started with a catac catatonic clumsy <laughs> oh yeah we uh we were going through the process, uh, or the, the doctor was going through the process with the assistance of uh, Keegan to perform a trepanation of the brain box. Relieve those yeah. evil spirits. Mm -hmm. But what caused that? A broken heart. Mm -hmm. Fear. Yeah. I think it was terror, actually. Um, but yeah, I think it, it was terrible. Yeah, you had already, you were already incapacitated, and you suffered terror. Mm -hmm. And um, when you when that happens, when you're already incapacitated, and you suffer stress, fear, or terror again. You um, you gain you can die from being scared to death. So um, the doctor, uh, excuse me, up uh, James, uh, uh, excuse me, Coventry had to perform trepanation with uh, Keegan's help. And they took their, they took some time to ensure that uh, Osbert didn't <laughs> die um, and succeeded, um, which is good, which means you don't get the planet struck or the hemoplegy um, drawback. Um, but you, you did get, um, you were knocked off your feet for quite some time. What happened during that period after the, in the after effects of Osbert's uh, recovery, what was happening outside? Uh, we were burying the bones of the little girl that we found um, because it appeared that the body was hastily buried um, in a different place outside of the graveyard. Mm -hmm. uh, so, the, you know, as we were uncovering that, um, people were a little upset uh, by that and uh, that's what caused the um, trepanation. So that, well, what led to the trepanation? So then we 
I think it was Calvin and Collinsworth mm-hmm. who were uh, um, digging the grave so they could be buried. Uh, Calvin with, uh, you know, Collinsworth helping. Um, and so that's what I knew we were doing. Yeah, the, the haunting was lifted from from Stonehold, I think mm-hmm. is the, the message here. Um, what else was happening, Keegan? Um, I went incapacitated because I also <laughs> freaked out seeing the body. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Yeah, we had kind of a it's kind of a double whammy last game session. Um, yeah, how much uh, how, how much conflict did you get? Sixteen. <laughs> oh gosh. Yeah. Oh. Um. So yeah, I I was out. I will say one of the things that uh, we figured out. I want to say Calvin. Not- no, it's Collinsworth. I think that noticed it. Um, it looked like the body had been dead for one season, but Stonehold has been empty for a season and a half. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, But yeah, Keegan took some smelling salts from the good doctor. um, Just enough to not be incapacitated any longer. And then helped him do surgery and ended up passing out at the end of that. So uh, Keegan didn't didn't stay on his feet for much. um, So... It was a bloody affair, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, so mm-hmm. I think you spent you spent 24 hours recovering in the tent you had actually brought back from the excavation site, um, which is on our little Roll20 map. And I think it's called, or you put something on the map called, yeah, research site, but at Trepanation Station, as you put it. <laughs> that you, one was all Adam, but right. yeah. <laughs> Trepanation Station with a with a jester with a knife through his head and a tent. Um, so you spent some time there, and then what happened after you you recovered for a little bit? I went hunting for a while too, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, we were really getting enough rations for the day, basically. Yeah. Well, um, while I was passed out, Collinsworth and Calvin found the mother's grave in the cemetery, and that's where they took the little mm-hmm. girl. Um, yeah, we were a little barrier with her mother and what remained of her father's ashes. Yeah, and then when we finally were able to all move, um, which took <laughs> a while, um, at that point we went to the oh so aptly named Dick of Winter and found the uh, corpse of the nameless. That's right. With a rifle that had a placard that said BD on it. Mm-hmm. Which Calvin took. Yeah, I did. <laughs> it was a very big, long rifle that the Green John immediately wanted. And even through persistent, you know, no, I'm not, I'm not going to sell this to you. And that's not just a selling point. This is me just wanting to keep this cool item. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think he was went up to 12 plus gold crowns in trade or something like that. Six, eight, 12, 15. Oh, wow. Yeah. So he, he was going big for it, but uh, yeah. So I mean, we, we took back not only the elk's head antlers, mm-hmm. but also the body, the body <laughs> and the rifle and yep. the saddle and the saddle. Yeah. Which was sufficient to the people and to the green John to know that, it was not, I always forget his name. I want to call him Seth, but it's not. <laughs> yeah, that guy. Sten. It was Sten. Yeah, it was not <laughs> Sten that did it. 
so yeah, we, we, we just did our award point update. Uh, we've done all of our rituals at this point. Um, it's now time to jump in the session. You obviously did the recap for what happened last week. So here's what happens in the following week. So you may move, you convalesce a bit, you kind of take, take in the sights of Gralstead and um, restore, everybody restores themselves to unharmed and unhindered. <clears throat> so during this period of time, um, the local tavern uh, with, with, the, with the great massive elk skull that you brought, they've hung it up at the tavern, like I mentioned last game, and they've actually renamed this, this um, tavern. It's now called Elk Lodge. And um, because of uh, what you had done, um, you always will get free food and lodging at Elk Lodge from now from here on out. Nice. Yeah. So, um, so I, well, I, I, I'd like for someone to record that um, as part of our notes. Maybe Kay, if you want to do that, or whoever, um, just so we have a reminder. I've got it on my notes here too, obviously. Uh, but um, yeah. So. Um, yeah, week passes, um, and um, you've convalesced, you've spent your time here, you've recuperated, you're, you kind of, at this point, you're kind of untethered. Um, you have to do whatever you may want to do. Uh, Aaron and Aaron have actually returned from ranging with Tuck. Um, they returned a few days ago, but you haven't really spoken to them since they returned. Uh, Phineas is still with you. He hasn't reconnected with them either yet. So what do you want to do from here? Well, I don't suppose the uh, the old pony horse out there up in the mountains is uh, it's not ready for that, is it? I guess it's been a week, hasn't it? It has indeed. It's we been a week. Out, we can head out there, Collinsworth, see if you can recover. How How long of a journey is it? I don't know. I've never been, but uh, probably a few days. Well, if Aaron and Aaron just got back from ranging, then we can ask um, who they're ranging with. See if they know. Yes, I, uh, I think we should talk to them and uh, perhaps ask about town and see if uh, anyone knows how long it takes to get there. Mm-hmm. And this is the Happy Valley? Mm-hmm. So where do you want to go from here? Don't all speak at once. Let's let's <laughs> talk let's talk to Aaron and Aaron. Yeah. Uh so you head to Elk Lodge and um it's probably midday. Um it's it's spring, so it's still a little chilly out, it's a little wet. Um, it's not cold enough for water to freeze, but it's still pretty chilly, despite the fact that it is, you know, down in Aglador, like spring would be, it's raining and everything's blossoming and things are certainly starting to blossom here, but it's just a, a cold spring. Um, and you come inside Elk Lodge, which is warm and inviting. The, the fire is crackling in the hearth. There are people kind of milling about. Aaron and Aaron, the twins, both of them with red hair. Uh, the brother and sister are near the fire, and the fire seems to almost highlight the uh, their hair seems to be kissed by the fire, um, almost like a golden auburn color. And they're standing with the rotund tuck, 
um, who Osbert, if you recall, about a month, a few weeks ago, laid out cold in the bottom of Stonehold, uh, laid him out flat uh, on his back. Uh, Phineas is there with you as well as is Dr. James Coventry as you as you all kind of collect together and in stew and talk a bit over warm stew. Phineas makes some small talk with Tuck. They make a little bit of small talk with with Phineas, and they kind of turn toward you. And Tuck is the one who led the foray, so he 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 kind of looks up from his stew, kind of square shouldered, almost hunched over, and he's kind of shoulder to shoulder with Keegan on one side of the bench. And 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 he kind of he says, "Yeah, we were out ranging uh, a bit <clears throat> since you all had um had business at the Dick. We uh." went out to see if we could find any anything on Abigail. How did your travels treat you? Well, he says, we headed back toward the uh, cat cave and we went a bit northeast a bit at least as far as we could toward the Horn Society until we had to take shelter for a few days. Um, the mountains are still snowbound. So it, um, we, we hit a little bit of a storm up there. We took shelter for a few days and um, unfortunately we didn't, um, we, were, we didn't really hear anything else. We went on a kind of a dead lead where a local said they had seen Abigail traveling toward a trader, but um, Nothing more than that. We got this really interesting piece of information, though, he says, as he kind of... Who has the bone? I do. Uh, the dragon bone? Yeah. Yeah, I got the dragon bone. He, uh, he, he says, we did hear some interesting information, though, about uh, that or things like that. Oh? Apparently, there is a pass through the Horn Society that leads to a series of caves where other serpents, dragons, dr whatever they're called, whatever they may be, apparently nest in the mountains. Uh, but it's a place that the, that the uh, Torque Lords called Sword Grave, he says. Sounds dangerous. Well, he says... You go tracking after a dragon, I suppose. Yeah, you hear a place called Swordgrave. It does certainly instill a bit of fear. Well, we didn't go that far, naturally. We're no <laughs> dragon slayers, he says, as he kind of chortles and laughs. But I think more importantly to your uh, expeditions to this happy valley, if there's, any, if there's any way through the Horn Society, that's the only way that we really know of. Seems like a... A grave way to go about it. Hmm. I suppose it depends on how badly you want that horse. I'm going to mm. mark a Doppler on the uh, map if we want to put Sword Grave here. Well, if that's the way we have to do it, I certainly could use a bit more to eat and drink. As uh, I show my membership to the Elk Lodge. Sure. <laughs> Well, the way I see it. Special handshake, a ring. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Veterans go here and bitch about politics. I don't know. It's like, it's like a I'm hard. <laughs> the, the, I do the, not clap hands. 
the owner is so benevolent and protective. <laughs> the way I see it, you know, Stin knew about this Happy Valley. And so either there's another way to that Happy Valley or this sword grave is a bunch of hooey and it isn't any danger at all. So I suppose we could ask around if there's any other way to through the Happy Valley. And if there isn't, I say we brave the sword grave. Tuck kind of shrugs. He says the worst we encountered out there was a storm. But uh, it's cold out there, especially if you're passing through the mountains. He says, uh, show me your map here. You unfurl your map and he, he says, yeah, right about here, as he points toward these two little running lines. I think this is roughly where we're at. In fact, at the foot of the mountains is where we got snowbound. Snowstorm came down off the peaks. If you would, just mark a little cave right here where I'm throwing a Doppler on roll 20. Right here is where we took shelter in the caves. Now, it may be spring out here, but the mountains are high and impassable in some places. There's a lot of snow out there still. It'll be rough terrain regardless, but uh, we did see paths leading up the mountainside. We saw these strange plinths of stone, and that's when we knew we were close to the sword grave. Best I can so, reckon, Tuck says. So you, you look for a cave that has plinths of stone about it, and then you should see <clears throat> sort of a valley or pa pass leading to the Happy Valley. I don't, know about no, I don't know about the Happy Valley, but I can tell you that if you're looking for a pass through the Horn Society, that's the way. The plinths of stone are actually up the path through the mountain. We saw them like up the hillside in the midst of the storm. Hmm. Hmm. Well, I don't suppose anyone that has spent more time than any of us may know of an alternative route. It sounds a bit dangerous. You think it'd be any, any safer later in the season? Any Perhaps. Smiles. <laughs> any less dangerous than in the different, I don't understand. <laughs> it's... Well, I mean, I mean, you know, less icy, less snow, less difficult terrain, easier to climb. Who knows? He says, if you waited till summer, I suppose that may be advantageous, but I suppose how quickly, as a matter of how quickly you want to retrieve this horse to do whatever it is Collinsworth wants to do with the, uh, with the outcasts of Girlstead, the Sten. How far are we willing to go? He says. You know, I did make a deal, not knowing the full terms, but I still did make a deal. I guess not. Well, I suppose our fearless leader will be the one to make that decision. Nay? Clumsy. <laughs> Nay, you say. 
it is a horse, but uh, horse. I don't see. I don't hear any opposition from anyone else, and I don't particularly fancy resting on my laurels here in Grawlstead any longer. I don't want to outwear wear our welcome with this uh, the, this lodge. You know, I, I can't help but uh, drink my fill, and uh, I don't think that everyone appreciates that every night. So, say we move on. So you're saying that we should make it rain like me lords do. <laughs> Uh, I don't think so. I don't think that uh, that's the best idea. We are guests here. Look at you choosing such a responsible decision. Well, somebody around here has got to be the leader, haven't they? <laughs> I suppose so. Well, Calvin? Yeah. What say you? I'm fine with whatever. I mean, if we want to chase after this horse, then uh, we can. Well, Aaron and Aaron look at one another. They they agree that they're going to stay behind. And Tuck is uh, Tuck insists he has things he needs to do in Old Gralstead, so he and Phineas will kind of they're gonna they're going to to split for a while. I suppose if it intends you intend to go to the north, Phineas says, to the Horn Society, I, of course, must oblige. Really? But of course, you made a deal with the exiles, and um, a deal is a deal, right? This is true. I suppose so. I'm, I'm just surprised that you would come with us. I mean, your presence is welcome. I just didn't think that uh, you would feel the need to brave the elements, so to speak. He uh, breaks a bit with with um, Tuck and Aaron and Aaron, and he 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 kind of explains the the trail that we've been following has inevitably always led back to the Horn Society with Abigail. We I have had a strong suspicion that she is hiding amid the mountains, and the Granite Mountain Range runs leagues and leagues north and south but this has to be something i should hope maybe something will come out of this maybe we'll get closer to her i'm not sure but um frankly it's the only lead we have at this point um aaron and aaron and tuck can do what they do here in old Grawlstead and talk with travelers and the local clan clan folk to see if they have any leads but honestly um i think i kind of want to follow up on this for personal reasons too well, isn't that fortuitous? We will kill two birds with one stone, so to speak. <laughs> with that said, I, I, I say that uh, we spend uh, the rest of the day uh, putting together some provisions for what may be a uh, difficult climb. What about you, jolly fellow? Phineas looks to Keegan. Awfully quiet. Uh, Keegan is sitting there sketching on his map as I was um, and uh, you know trying to perfect it and he kind of looks up as if like distracted um, or you know brought out of kind of a reverie and 
uh, oh, uh, I apologize. Uh, were you needing something? I find myself in my work. Yes, we were just discussing whether or not we're going to uh, go north. Uh, I, I, I appreciate adding me into the conversation, but uh, as one would say, I am along for the ride. So, uh, all the where, way to where, the pit end. <laughs> where, where those I am loyal to go, I shall follow. Well then, I suppose it is the uh, one, two, three. James Coventry. Should we bring that fellow? What do you think? Think he has the stomach for it? Phineas asked. <laughs> hmm. I I know that. Uh, should we ever need to take care of Clumsy's uh, spirits? Um, head? I don't know the term for it. Speak plainly. Well, he he had a bit of a scare and he needed to you know have someone see to him, take care of him. Yes, uh, James oh, I can I can hold your hand. I can, I can hold your hand if you like, Clumsy. If you're scared. Uh, yes, you lot don't need to take a delicate tone or nature with me. I'll be just fine as long as we don't encounter any more ghosties. It was a fluke. A fluke at best. Well, I've, fluke I've is the most it, common. I've, 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 I've made a sterner stuff. I'll, yeah. Well, a fluke I'm is growing. the most common fish in the sea, so a fluke <laughs> would be the wrong adage, my friend. Well, I, I don't see any ocean from where I'm standing, so I think <laughs> I'm safe. There's certainly miles of ignorance between uh, us and Swordgrave, for sure. <laughs> so, provisioning. Uh, I don't know what to do. How do we go about that? How do we go about finding our way out to the cave? We have directions, but how many days of food should we bring? Funny as requests. Hmm. Well, how far do you reckon it was to the uh, the cave? Tuck scratches his head and he's like, well, if we're going by the foot path when we went to the cat cave that was what two days from old Grahlstead and then I would say what was it, another two days to the upland so I would say two days to the caves to the foot of the horn society and two days to the cat cave from old Grahlstead okay so we got four days one way all the way to Swordgrave no mm -hmm. telling how far Swordgrave is from Happy Valley so we can take quite a bit of provisions, but I think that at some point we're going to have to hunt. I don't know. What do you guys think? I mean, there's, we can I mean, only carry so much food. Right. Um, I mean, the horses are ours now, right? They are indeed. So I would think a fortnight would do it, right? You don't. I mean, you generally want more food than not, right? Trouble is, we don't know what we're getting ourselves into once we do get to Swordgrave. <laughs> uh, what if what if the trails are are so steep that the horses won't be able to continue on? 
I mean, hmm. Will the Green John even lend his horses for such an endeavor? Oh, no, they're ours. They've been gifted to us. Ah, okay. I hadn't, I didn't recall. I think that maybe that's why we should um, see if anyone has ever been along this path. Just nearly on whether or not we should bring a horse. Because if it is too steep of a slope for a horse, then we'd have to leave them in a cave and hope that they fend for themselves. Several days, even. Mm-hmm. Well, you are the animal tamer among us, brother, so I shall follow your advice. But the only way to truly make sure that they're there when we get back would be to tie them up. And, well, if you tied them up in summer for a few days, that would be unkind, but it would not be unreasonable to expect them there. But uh, if it's like our winter near those mountains, then no, we would have to leave them untethered and you never know what would happen then. Fair points, Phineas says. Well, why don't we speak to Seamus? It seems like he would have been the one that would have ranged. Seamus and uh, the other rangers, they were the ones that went around and if Sten knows the area, possibly they do. Would stand a reason, right? Yeah, let's ask around. Take a bit of time before we start rustling up some grub and such. Right. So what we do? Uh, well, we uh, if if there's anyone in the lodge itself that would uh, fit the description of uh, or anyone that we've mentioned so far that is currently in the lodge that we could speak to um, about this situation, um, I'd want to speak with them. Um, and if not, I guess we'd either track them down or wait till they came to the lodge this evening. Yeah, um, day comes and goes until uh, night falls and you find most everyone of Old Gralstead gathered here in the uh, Elk Lodge um, eating or drinking. Um, Seamus is here, but he's not drinking. He's abstaining. But uh, everyone else is here. Uh, so, Go ahead. So I would uh, suppose I walk up to Seamus and see how he's doing. Yeah, turns about and says, Oi, I didn't even hear coming up on me so loud in here. <laughs> oh, and that uh, I, I've always been a bit of a soft stepped person myself. So tell me something. Have you ever been to the Happy Valley? Oh, <laughs> that's a far ways away through the Horn Society. I know where you're talking about. I haven't well, been there, but I know where you're talking about. Well, we've uh, found that the most likely way so far that we know of to go would be through sword gravers. Is this what you would 
concur? Sword, oh, you're talking about uh, Snowberry Pass. I know what you're talking about. I know the pass, at least. I don't know about no sword grave, though. Okay, so Snowberry Pass, is that the way to get to the Happy Valley? The only way that I've heard of, at least. Now, granted, the, uh, <clears throat> he kind of grumbles a bit, the exiles would certainly know more about that than I would. I keep, I kept my ways away from the Horn Society. I don't make no trade with uh, them folk out in the mountains. But uh, mm. I have heard that, or I know at least that Sno the Snowberry Pass is a way through the Horn Society. Whether this is the Sword Grave or not, I don't know. Okay. Um, well, hopefully you know at least one more thing. Do you know if you, it's possible to lead a horse through this pass? Uh, you probably have to walk it. Horses aren't as sure-footed as donkeys or mules. At least in the mountains, horses are horses are good for ranging out in the plains and the hills like this. But once you get into the mountains, I mean, you're going to be walking it. Oh, I am familiar of their capabilities, but uh, just I didn't. I'm not familiar with the pass itself. Mm. If it is something that you could walk a horse among, or if you should leave them behind altogether <laughs> because it would involve climbing. Well, a pass implies that you can pass through it, right? doesn't necessarily mean it's safe, but it is a pass for foot traffic. Um, Snowberry Pass, as I understand it, there's a series of caves toward the, the, the bottom of it, amid the bluff. And then there's no mistake in it. Snowberry Pass is, uh, is marked by uh, these statues, as I understand it, of the gods of the, of the pecs. The... The who? The gods of the Pecs, the people that live in the Horn Society. The you mean like, like in the stories? Aye. Those who, mm. those who, uh, th th those tribes who do not ally themselves with Dunbrood, with, with Dalriata or Hivernia, those tribes were the Pecs and they kept themselves amid the Horn Society and the valleys beyond that. The only settlement you're going to find beyond that pass. It's a place called Dun Swanton. Hmm. Dun Swanton. And that's on the other side of the pass. Now, there used to be people out there, Dunnish folk, but can't speak to it now. Okay. Certainly, I mean, nobody's been wandering down from the mountain saying they're from Dun Swanton in quite some time. All right. Well. <laughs> I suppose that gives us the answer that we were looking for. Um, you will find the Happy Valley beyond Don Swanton, though. There is no mistake in it. Because of the uh, <clears throat> lights in the sky, the Borealis. Aye, well, the elevation up that high, you're closer to the Vault of Night. Tis easier to see. The curtain falls over the snow. Uh, in fact, there's a point, as I understand it, amid the valley where where the curtain falls and where it falls is where the happy valley is almost bright as daylight as i understand it no mistake in it two big hills with a third smaller mound of the center and the uh the curtain falls between it 
like she's illuminating some great pot of gold. Mm. That's what I've heard. I've mm. never been there, mind you, but I certainly know the tales, Seamus says. Well, I'll look for, I'll look for two mountains with a smaller one in between it. You're bound to find all kinds of mountains with smaller ones between it. The, the Happy Valley is one is 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 unique in that. You're gonna see the curtain all throughout the mountains. You're gonna be close to it, close enough to touch the stars. But uh, there's no mistake in the Happy Valley. If you know, if you've been listening to the tales I've been told. Fascinating. Uh, do. Do any of you three have any questions? Hmm. I mean, if he's been here before, would he be willing to go and guide us? You're talking about the exile. He spits on the ground. Oh, I thought you had been there. I'm sorry. Nay. I would never make my way that close to the Horn Society. All manners of dangers. Okay. If it's not the picks that get to you, it's the avalanches. Mm. Uh-huh. Snow's there year round. The higher and higher you get in that pass, dangerous. Well, hopefully our uh, fearless leader will help us with any negotiations with any exiles. Worked for our last one. It certainly did. Narrows his eyes a bit. Well, I'm being getting back to my friends here. Thank you for your time. Good evening. You take care. And by the way, your brother-in-law, Flint, he set me on the right path. Wasn't for the lot of ye. I've been, I'd been on the, I'd been in the gutter or dead. Well, it brings because a warmth. It brings a warmth to my heart to know that you are not in those circumstances. If there's anything I can ever do for you, you let me know. All right. I owe you one. It's good to have. He tips his hat and heads back to his friends. Well, I suppose we should get le- we should leave as early as we can in the day. Like I'm almost tempted to go straight to bed so that we can rise before the sun. Mm. I mean, certainly, yes. Sure. It's a marvelous plan, but we must still provision. And the sun is set. No business will be open now. We could see about it to the morning. If if you've the coin, I can uh, attend to the provisions and supplies, I suppose, Phineas says. And I suppose I can also fetch the Dr. James. Coventry. Coin. Therein lies the issue, I believe. I don't w- believe we have much to rub together. <laughs> ah, he says. <laughs> There's the rub, so to speak. Nay? Mm-hmm. Well, we know that uh, the Green John uh, is a provisioner. And he deals in trade. See, look, I say looking at Calvin pointedly. Yeah, and we got some trade off that saddle. Yeah, we did, didn't we? Yes. It would be about uh, four, four, P, four pennies per day of provisions. 
per person. How much trade did we get from that saddle? One crown. I thought it was more than that. It's not what I've written down. If that's what you've written, then that's what you've written. (laughs) How much did you say? One crown worth from Seamus for the saddle. Okay, yeah. Never mind. We got plenty. We can keep your rifle. So let me know how many days we should uh, provision, and I shall see to it. Oh, uh... And I shall have him deduct it from our, uh, from the money that he, he owes us. Well, I, I, I find myself quite the early riser. Uh, perhaps, perhaps, um, with my ways and wiles and words, I, I might be able to speak to provisioning and, uh, possibly see if we can get a little extra. Hmm. That me, uh, allows me to sleep a little bit late. I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't say... No, certainly thank you, Keegan, Phineas says. Keeps let's be sleeping an hour earlier an hour longer. Um well if there's any there's anything else, I think I am going to retire for the evening. Yeah. We'll reconvene here, say before sunup. Will do. Indeed. Yes. Phineas Indeed. will will uh doff his hat and put it beneath the crook of his arm and he'll walk upstairs, elk lodge to um his uh, his accommodations. James Coventry uh, will do the same thing. And now we drink. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, I, I couldn't. Here I couldn't. We go. I, I couldn't help it. I couldn't help it. Here we go. We know you can't help it. That's we, the we first should, problem. We should. We should go to bed. We should. We should. Yes. Just after a one night cap. That'll help us sleep. It's true. Very true. <laughs> uh, it's true. Uh, so you. Um, you will uh, have a nightcap and um, find your way to sleep. And um, the, 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 the next morning will, will come. Um, and you've kind of awakened fairly early. Um, Keegan, you'll be able to meet with Seamus. What do you, what do you wish to do while you're here? Um, well, I'm going to secure provisions, although we did not discuss how long. Uh, we the, need provisions for the earlier suggestion was a fortnight. That's what I had stated. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, Keegan. I'm fine with that. I didn't disagree. All right, so 10 times four. Uh, how many people are we taking with us? So you have uh, four of us, yeah. Phineas. Are we taking the doctor, James Coventry, if you choose to bring him with you. <laughs> it's always good to have a doctor need, on hand. We don't need the doctor. You're the leader. Are we taking the doctor now. He deserves a break. Okay. What's the worst that could happen? No, when it comes to the doctor, I say, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so you think we should bring the doctor? Yeah, 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 yeah. I was thinking, yeah, yeah, yeah. That doesn't have anything to do with the doctor. No, it doesn't. Is the doctor coming or not? I'd say so. I'd vote yes. Okay, we'll bring him. Okay. Okay. So you have James, Phineas, Keegan, Calvin, Osbert, Collinsworth. Okay, so that's 240p of of food rations. How much? 240. 240. So if you want, so it's it's 4p per day. <clears throat> to make it to the caves. 
Mm-hmm. And it's four times six. Sorry, it's six times four is 24P. It's 24 days. Or sorry, 24. So it's six, it's six people who need to spend oh, sorry, four, P, four P per day, right? Across four days to make it to the caves. Mm-hmm. It's assuming you're not bringing any additional food. Sorry, 336 for us to have supplies for a six person team, right? For, yeah, for 14 days. Because four nights, two weeks. And how many pennies per crown? 240. <clears throat> now, this isn't a crown crown, right? Because it was a crown's worth because they don't actually use like crowns, right? Correct, but it's a one-to-one translation from a barter right, perspective. Right, yeah, but... it's, so 336p is what you would need. So you're shy, essentially. Yeah, you're shy, you're shy 96p. Or, yeah, you're shy 96p. So I guess you could try to bargain, bargain down. I'm gonna or, or we just take what we can and hunt the rest of the way back or go hungry. Oh, no. Keegan's going to try and, and talk it down. <laughs> he already had to starve for a day because of the twins. He's not doing it again if he can help it. Right. That's, yeah. that's why we shouldn't bring the doctor. So we can get our, I mean, our food will go further. Yeah, but when we need someone skilled at healing, we'll, what's we'll, the worst that could happen? Well, we you go brain dead doctor. and then you die because I'll mm-hmm. be fine. <laughs> I mean, live a little, Calvin. I mean, yes, I would like you to live a, a little bit longer. <laughs> Uh, so the good thing is, is that your negotiate check, uh, you could choose to lie or you can choose to bargain. So bargain or guile, it's up to you. Um, Keegan is not a liar. Okay. So it's, it's a, it's a trivial, a trivial bargain test because disposition is, is, is helpful. <laughs> I hate that pop-up. Mm. Just let me know when you... Uh, 14 out of 90. Nice. Success. So nice. what is your uh, 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 f- fellowship bonus? Yeah, fellowship bonus. God, I'm having a problem here. So you're fine. Seven. So you can, oh, wow, you can reduce it by 20%. So nice. yeah, reduce it by 27p. So 96 minus 27, whatever that is. Oh, well, 336. Oh, yeah, yeah, whatever. Yeah. 20% of 336 would be 66. Nice. Well, 67, technically. Call round up always. uh, So how much do you owe in excess? 29 pence. You have it? You have like 29 pence? Can we use... Okay, so before you stated that the money that's on our character sheets is no good, is it still no good? Yeah, I mean... Okay. Coins don't really have any value. Um, they're they're barter people. Um, uh, all right, so Keegan is going to hand over the crown's worth of whatever, but then he's going to look at the green john and go. You're trading with Seamus, not the green john. Oh, with Seamus. Oh, well, then yeah. he, you know, then he states, "Look, you know that we're ranging, and I'm sure we'll run into something that could potentially be useful to you. Is there anything I can keep an eye out on?" And, we could owe you this. You know we'll be back. 
he he scratches his head and he says, well, we did speak last night about a favor. I suppose what we could do is I could finance your expedition myself and you keep the crown's worth of trade for another time and I'll finance your expedition knowing what you're going to do. I mean, obviously that solves the problem. I... Are you sure? That's quite a bit to, uh, to potentially be throwing on you. He, he smiles. The, the Green John and I have an agreement. I'm not too worried. I'd finance your expedition there. 14 days of provisions. Well, you tell the Green John I'm good for it and we'll make it happen. Well, um, thank you, Seamus. Uh, is, is there still, though? Let, let us uh, let's make sure that that uh, you know, offer that I put up is still standing. Is there he, something that you would be interested in if we were to range? Well, I don't know about the business dealings you have with the exiles, but I do know that any sort of storm horses that are still alive and out there are probably beyond that mountain range. Yeah. You, bring back, you bring back a storm horse and... Uh, well, I owe you big, he says. I mean, we can try, but from all we've heard, there's only the one. But then again... You heard there's one? What? He says. Gonna... Well, yes, potentially. It depends on what you believe from the exiles, doesn't it? Well, he, he kind of nods. You bring back, you bring back a stallion... And I'll I'll pay you tr I'll pay you plenty, in trade. Well, who's to know what's there, right? So, he nods. Uh, should we find something? Obviously, uh, I, I will keep that in mind, and I will let everyone know. Stallion, not a mare. A stallion. The blood is carried through the mail, through the male seed. With the huh. storm horse, little piece of advice. Huh. Well, I know you know you southerners may not know that, but. <laughs> Uh, I regrettably am not well versed in mating protocols for horses. So, you're correct. Uh, however, yes, uh, I once again will uh, will pass on word. Fair Thank enough. you, Seamus. And he holds his hand out. Sure, he'll shake it. You'll he'll arrange for the foodstuffs and have your horses packed with food um, as you all kind of gather right at the crack of dawn. Um, everyone's gathered outside with the horses. It's probably uh, mid-40s of this morning as the sun kind of breaks over the horizon and any remaining snow that was here, as there's still bits of snow here and there, but um, it is otherwise like early chilly cold spring. There was a little bit of a light rain last evening, cold rain. Nothing froze, fortunately, but um, all six of you gather as Keegan brings the horses back, packed with 14 days of provisions. So remember that's oats, candles, beans, milk, a bit of booze. Is that uh, rope and such as well? No. So uh, to, to that's that's a good question. Um, and to, to clarify on on provisions, so one day's provisions provide you one day's worth of beans, bread, a candle, cider, meat, milk, oats, rice, salt, and meat, and soap. Okay. Um, a day of provisions is one encumbrance. Obviously, your horses are carrying it, so you need to worry about that. Um, if you were, it's 14 encumbrance. <laughs> I would like to request that all my foodstuffs comes in the form of oats. Sure. 
um, shouldn't be a problem. Okay, great. great. Um, Thanks for procuring all these provisions, Kay. I, I hope that our okay. uh, one, I'm sorry, Keegan. Uh, <laughs> I, I it's hope all right, all, you can shorten it, it's fine. I, ho I hope that all our, uh, our investment proves worthy. Well, the good news is uh, we still have our, our credit. Seamus actually decided to back us on good faith um, hmm. from our, our friendly interactions. So well, look at you, sweets, making an executive decision. Uh, see, everyone, just, I, can, I can lead by... Oh, no, he made that decision. Everyone, I just went with it. Every, everyone, see, I, I, I'm inspiring Keegan to, to make good decisions on, on his own. You'd almost Surprise. say that he sweet talked them. <laughs> oh, God. I mean, that one's on you, Kay. You, you literally named your character Sweets. What? Oh, yes, because I had to know within seven uh -huh. episodes at some uh -huh. point you'd find uh -huh. a pun that you could potentially use for me conversating with people. Thanks. <laughs> I'm sure that's. If you try hard enough and believe in yourself. Anyway, let's. let's you got to believe. <laughs> um, so, what about like ro uh, rope or other provisional items like that? So, um, if you wish to acquire rope, uh, it's 1p by yard. Oh, we have the crown. Well, because I'm just thinking, is there, like, because when we got to the the burial site or whatever for the dragon and such, like, we wanted shovels and we wanted rope and we wanted all the stuff and we didn't have it. So, is there stuff like that we should get before we leave town? Shovels, uh, one, a quick dig shovels, one crown. That's like a, that's like a, a spade. It's like a, a quick dig shovel is like a superior shovel. Um, it's a shovel that's made of steel. I'm not good enough for that shovel. Superior grade. But is there anything you guys can think of that we might? Mm. Or should we just do it? <laughs> I don't think we should load ourselves up with rope. It's it's rather heavy and there's no way we're going to haul a horse around. If 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 we have to climb up by rope, there's no way the horse is coming with us. And uh, if you recall, Seamus did say it is a pass. It is a pass, yes. Phineas says. I say we go. Daylight's burning. Keegan shrugs. Oh, just making sure we're prepared. Let us go. And so we show off. Yeah. I would like to say that I'm very proud of the fact that I made a Nine Inch Nails reference in the Trappings and Weapons chapter of Flames of Freedom because there's a listing for nails, Nine Inch, 1,000. They cost one crown. Uh, hopefully somebody finds it eventually and says, oh, that's a Nine Inch Nails reference. Um, <clears throat> anywho, uh, that being said, uh, so to strike out on this journey, um, you are going to, and if I go back to our map here, um, we could pretty much we pretty much know now that that pass is called Snowberry Pass, so we can add that. And we also know the Sword Grave is somewhere within there, so there's some danger to be had. We also know on the other side is a place called Dunswanton, and beyond that is the Happy Valley. <clears throat> so go ahead and name the pass if you would, so we don't lose the the name for it. Snowberry Pass. So uh, the way the path that you know is to first head back to the cat cave and the cat cave is a short is a short journey um i think we're just gonna have you 
we're not going to roll anything to get you to the cave, the short cat cave. We're not going to have you roll anything to get to the pass either. We're just going to have four days kind of four days happen. Um, just a kind of a fast travel. So let's, let's determine uh, how you arrive uh, at the, at the foot of the horned society. So I'm going to pull up my narrative tools here once again, or from, uh, from flames of freedom. And um, because we're doing, because we're resolving fast travel, um, you kind of make your way there. You mark off four days of provisions. It's a fairly uneventful journey. Um, you know, some sun up, sundown, you rest, you build fires, you keep a lookout, no immediate danger. Um, all, as you all arrive to the foot of the Horn Society, I need uh, you all to make um, a survival or toughness test. Uh, the terrain to get there is routine. Um, so it's a routine survival or toughness test. Choose what you like to do. Um, we'll determine and we'll see what happens when you arrive. <clears throat> and just let me know. Oh, somebody crit something. Oh. Good success. Nice. Nice, nice, nice. Calvin succeeded. That's cool. Yeah, look at that. Keegan succeeded. Success. Nice. And leaves just Calvin. No, uh, Osbert. Osbert, rather. <laughs> succeeded. That's good. Um, so everyone who arrives is imperiled with exception of Collinsworth. Um, because you critically succeeded, you are unhindered instead. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so by the time you make it to the foot of the Horn Society, as you're kind of, you're about a day out and you can already see, um, you can already see, uh, sorry, one second, I'll update something real quick here. Um, you can see uh, that the mountains almost seem to scrape the sky. Um they, they are tall and pointed. Uh, they look like horns of some great animal. Uh, uh, sorry, I had to update something real quick. My apologies. Okay. Um, as you, but, the, but the mountains, like, they're so incredibly tall and they look completely impassable. They look like this, like, jagged looking teeth. They look like literal horns rising from the ground. You cannot imagine how anyone lives among them um, or dwells on the hillsides. Imagine like kind of cartoony looking mountains that look really perilous and dangerous that you may see in like an old 70s cartoon. That's kind of what the Horn Society looks like. And as you arrive, uh, it's nightfall. You can see beyond the mountains, you can see this strange ethereal the best way to describe it is a curtain of light that seems to twinkle and change uh the closer you get the light changes from kind of blue to slightly red and it seems to almost kind of fall down as if it's separating the world not only just kind of with the mountains physically but perhaps even metaphysically um as the curtain is this come to be called, not the Borealis, we'll call it the Curtain. I think it's a better name. Um, so the Curtain literally falls 
over the horned society. And this matches up with some of the stories you've heard in the South, in Aglador, about whenever <clears throat> the Aridane first came to this continent, they passed through a place, of a series of mountain ranges where they said that um, the, light of uh, the light of the martyr fell from the heavens to the earth. Um, and it touched upon a, a perilous uh, series of mountains that they called the Horned Society. The real name of the mountain range in the north, it's always been known as the Horned Society since the Aridane came. Everyone kind of adheres to that. There's no like neologism assigned to it. The Picts may have a different name for it, but the Dunish, uh, and the people who live in Dalriada and Hivernia, and the, you know, everyone who lives on this side of the mountains calls it the Horned Society. And it is just like the stories you remember hearing about in your youth. Um, it's absolutely wondrous and beautiful and strangely terrifying um, as you approach at nightfall. So um, we may want to draw maybe a curtain of light over here, maybe at some point, but it doesn't take long until you find these this cave. And you can see that there's kind of a light snow on the ground where it's been melting. There are some sapling trees that are growing kind of between the rocks here and there. Um, but other than that, um, as you're, you can't quite see the pass at night, you'll have to wait until daytime to find Snowberry Pass. But um, you find the series of caves that Tuck, Aaron, and Aaron had come to and taken shelter in when they were on Abigail's trail this direction. So you, you, you head inside carefully and you strike a fire and you spend your final night before you prepare to go through Snowberry Pass um, the following day. The, the fire softly crackles. Um, the smoke begins to fill uh, this cave. You can see the remnants of an old fire, not the first one built here by any means. Um, you can see there's some graffiti that's been car carved or painted on the stone walls here. And Calvin, perhaps curiously, that it catches your eye, as you look toward the ceiling, you can see these old cave paintings um, that have been painted on the top of the ceiling that mm. seem to depict um, what you would guess would be horses of a sort. And they seem to all be nestling um, before some great throne. Uh, and uh, at least you think it's a throne. Mm -hmm. Then when the light shifts, you realize that it's this crouching figure. Um, and mm. among the among the, the faith that you know of the South, perhaps you because you have incantation and skill rank, mm -hmm. um, it is a it is a a demon that is simply called the crouching one. Mm. I uh, like make a sign to protect myself because <laughs> mm -hmm. the crouching one is not necessarily like known for being a very nice God, right? Yeah, uh, it's an old an old demon. The the the, the gods yeah. before the 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 gods before the covenant were established were called D A E M O N S, not like demon, but demon. Mm -hmm. I'm like, <laughs> I got horns, I'm evil. Um, although the crouching one certainly evokes that. Um, as you look toward this painting, as you're kind of your eyes kind of capture what it is, it appears to be this weird crouching, strange dog dragon thing mm. you're not really really easy, easily describe it because it seems to also have um multiple arms and rows of teeth 
within rows of teeth that's really strange looking like you know when you look at like pictures of people with like four sets of eyes and it like you have that visual that that kind of like for a moment like you get that weird optical illusion like when you're looking at it. i don't know if you've ever seen this like you take somebody's eyes and put from a photo and you put like there's two sets of eyes like there's like a, a dissonance that happens in your brain um it's yeah. kind of the same thing yeah I'm going to, I'll find a picture of it while we're talking here, mm -hmm. but yeah, it, it gets, it, it looks really confusing uh, to mm -hmm. look at. Um, and you can see Calvin is kind of fascinated by this thing as he's looking upward. Hmm. All his eyes. Look at what he's looking at. Piece of cave art. Hmm. Hmm. That's a horse of a different color. Hmm. Indeed. That one there, yeah. I think that's the crouching one. You know, back in a girl said I, old girl said I was, I think I must have been drinking with someone. Maybe it was Obadiah, but he mentioned something like that. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, some of them old Grahlsteaders, some of them old Grahlsteaders revered something that looked like that. They called it the poison cradle. But uh, they said uh, they revere it because it staves off the cold and all the uh, horrible things that comes with the winter. So, yeah, it makes sense that such a thing would be in the cave right here, just at the base of the mountain. I'm currently sharing, for our listeners, I'm sharing a picture of a person with multiple mouths, multiple with one nose and multiple sets of eyes. It creates a strange optical illusion in your head that your head, your mind can't quite parse. This is kind of the same feeling that this cave painting evokes. Like it's, can you all see my screen right now? Mm -hmm. Yeah. This yeah. Is a, it's really confusing, right? Yeah. Um, this is what, this is the kind of dissonance you're having as you, as you look at this, painting it's really strange it doesn't look like this obviously but it's it's like you can't even focus on it mm -hmm. um, that is the same kind of illusion to some degree that you're kind of facing whenever you whenever you are are, are looking at this this painting calvin and you direct those to it and they kind of look at it and osbert of course tells you the story about the poison cradle i i think that uh i don't want to leave any chances on our on our journey in the next in the next leg so to speak i think we should say a quick prayer to this uh crouching one this poison cradle mm. Let, bless our bless our journey just just to be safe just to be safe hmm. and i would almost caution not bringing eyes upon us that don't need to be yeah i mean we are we are, we are moving into her it's his lands hmm. I, th I think it's i think it's only respectful that we do such a thing the 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 way we were raised is that to say the names of them out loud is to invite them like their ire almost as if you know them and I know that that isn't their name, but you know what the Dunish say? Quite the opposite. They call the gods by their name. So if you're going to invoke this god for protection, then you should call her name aloud. Phineas says, smiling. 
the so crouching I, one is just the crouching one is just a name that uh, your that our Librams gave to this demon. I do not know this demon's name, but I don't even like to say it's Monica. Calvin, in in your mind, you instantly know what this the name of it. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, um, I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I would send it to you privately in chat if I could do it privately. You can always text me. Uh, yeah, I can. I tell you what. I'm. Gonna, I'm just gonna text you direct. Uh, <laughs> right now. Uh, that's the way it's pronounced, and then here is how it is spelt. I mean, I'll mess it up even with the pronunciation. Yeah. So I just I just texted it to to Mike, both how it's pronounced and mm. and how it is how it is written. So Calvin, this is information that only you have, having a mm-hmm. skill rank in incantation. Only you are aware of what the crouching one or the poison cradle's true name is. So, uh, before before going to bed, Osbert does in fact. Uh, say a prayer to this this entity, uh, and I actually I actually want to invoke my uh, kneel to the dark uh, trauma oh, in the process. So, oh, uh, gosh. I, I, want, I want to I want to make sure everyone is is safe. I want to I, like so. Um, here, let me let me just link this real quick. Um, once a week, attempt a resolve test to plead to a dark power for an ability, favor of power. If successful, they will temporarily grant it for you the next 24 hours. However, there will inevitably be a cost associated with it, which the GM and you will determine what's the most appropriate. So um, in my uh, pray for power, I uh, am I'm, I'm, I'm asking for a uh, swift and expeditious journey. Um, I think the best, if you wanted to adjudicate that, I, I'd like to be able to pass through difficult terrain with ease. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Uh, so, <laughs> so you're going to consent to the shadow's wishes. Okay. Okay. Um, you need to make a secret test using resolve. All right, resolve. <laughs> and it just so happens that, okay, that's not physical peril. Never mind. Resolve. Uh, I rolled a 63 and my rating is 41, so I'm going to re roll that. Okay. So if you would remove, change the coin pool over. Yeah. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. And I ended up with a 45, and my rating is a 41. Okay. Uh, so you gain nine conflict, first off. Mm-hmm. Uh, as, you, as you pray to this power, um, uh, it, this is dark power. However, your call goes unanswered um, <laughs> instead. Um, and you, and you are given this strange vision, uh, when you sleep and the entity you saw on the, 
on the cat at the top of the cavern. This is just Osborne only. This is where you gain the conflict from. Um, you are you you are required. Um, it asks of you to make a blood sacrifice, um, and that that blood it must be uh, once your own or thrice for a friend. Hmm. Okay. As you all awaken the next day, Osbert is imperiled. Everyone else is unhindered. Um, it's a brisk morning. Obviously, you spent your, your four days of provisions to get here. Um, and as you awaken, Osbert's a bit discombobulated. Uh, I suppose now the journey gets a bit difficult as we go through the pass. Uh, Keegan would like to make breakfast for everyone. Okay. Yeah. Uh, in fact, so this being a new trait that you have, Keegan, let's, let's go through the effects, if we could, one more time. Sure. So how does it work? Okay. Uh, you attempt a survival or tradecraft test to cook for others. Um, if successful, a number of allies equal to your fellowship bonus moves up one step on the damage condition track positively and recovers their peril condition track to unhindered, whether they're resting in a dangerous place or not. Mm -hmm. Girls are critical success. It affects a number of allies three times your fellowship bonus. Um, so so to, just a, a quick reminder, nobody is hurt currently. The only person, who's, thought, who, the only person who is suffering any sort of peril is Osbert. Oh, I thought we still had some people that were hurt. No, we yeah. recovered when we were in Grawlstead. Yeah, oh, well, yeah. And re remember, too, um, whenever you eat food, <laughs> um, let me find this real quick. Uh, whenever you eat food, you move from lightly wounded to unharmed. Oh. And whenever you drink coffee, you move, uh, move, you move from unhindered to, or sorry, imperiled to unhindered. Okay, then... Uh... Keegan will make food, but not that. <laughs> sure, sure. So. Cool. Cool, cool, cool. Um, yeah, so what... Uh, what Calvin's going to do is actually use one of his new spells. Nice. Called uh, Through Thick and Thin. Mm-hmm which uh, allows him to use a handful of oats to nice. stave off hunger uh, for a number of uh, days equal to his willpower plus three. So nice. I am going to... And what's the name of that spell again? I'm sorry. It is through thick and thin. Oh, uh, yeah. Okay. And I will hit this. Uh, I'm not going to channel power. Okay. Um, so your chances uh, will be routine in this environment. Okay. And I have to scroll up through all these spells now. <laughs> so you, you kind of drop, your, drop the oats on the ground and encant your words and Calvin cast his, his first elementalist spell. Sure you don't want to channel? I think I'll be all right. 
I succeed. Nice. 56 out of 69, Katie. Nice. So yeah, you may you don't have to eat or drink for the duration of the spell. Um, uh, what's the duration? It's three plus willpower bonus. So that is my willpower bonus. I believe it's six, but I'm going to double check that. It's five. Nice. No, it's six. It is six. So for uh, nine days, you don't have to eat or drink. That's great. Right. So basically the rest of the trip so Calvin's going to, yeah, like squirrel away his food in case a, uh, there's a rainy day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Calvin kind of looks like he has a perpetual pot belly, like he has a belly full of food <laughs> mm-hmm. um, the entire time. And uh, maybe he's even kind of licking his lips. Maybe the taste of food is always on your lips. Yeah, I, and I'm thinking eventually, uh, if I plan on trying to do this for people in the future i'm going to make like no bake like oatmeal cookies for people <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like here guys great. have your uh have your have your granola bars and whatnot here it's great calvin Fred. always has breath that smells like he just ate lunch yeah is it bars they'll be uh calvin bars <laughs> well it's uh it's elven bread from uh, exactly. lord of the rings right yeah, what do they what do they call Lambus that bread? Lambus. 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 Lambus yeah. bread you yeah. nerds um i love you <laughs> thank you uh, i've made it before <laughs> well not the real stuff obviously but like because you're not an elf duh right yeah. elf i know uh yeah we so, had that party it was good <laughs> <laughs> it was so um you uh have any additional preparations you wish to make here at this point None? um i think calvin's pretty good Osborne, that voice in the back of your head, the pleading, the dream that plagued you the night before is still there. Um, so you emerge from the cave and you begin to go through the Snowberry Pass. And in much like how Seamus described, it, it's pretty, it's a steep place. Um, it's not it's a little perilous is like lots of rock and stuff. The first and the first thing you see are those strange, what you thought were plinths of rock as Tucka described it in the dark. But during the day, it looks more like these strange little crouching statues. If you can see this in the, in the camera, if you all can see this kind of clearly, mm-hmm. they look kind of like this and they stand about twice the height of a person and about as wide as you can stretch your arms so not quite easter island head big but they are clearly carved from stone and they were affixed in the ground imagine like those strange statues in skyrim in the middle of the mountains like these things are like put here on pedestals um and they seem to be there's a pair of them right at the base of snowberry pass and calvin the of course the the name of of the crouching one is in your head Mm -hmm. um as you pass between an Osbert, right as you pass between these statues is when you have that memory or when you have that, that you have that urge um, that your trauma has given you um, that you have suffered for whatever dark dealings you made in the past. You now carry the trauma of knowing that not only do you have a connection to the darkness, but can call upon it. But it also, of course, pushes you further down the spiral it's like one of those things it's basically a faustian bargain um is essentially what this this tool is this specific drawback 
And it's called Kneel to the Dark, I believe, right? Yep. Yeah. Um, cool. Well, the question is, <laughs> what are you going to do? Do you continue just kind of heading up the the, the mountain pass? Um, let's change Neil to the Dark to Faustian Bargain. Okay. Uh, I think that makes a little bit more sense narratively. Is that anachronistic? I don't know when Faustian Bargain stuff came around, but... Uh... It's fine. Okay. Yeah. Um, so you you <laughs> you begin your climb um, through the pass and what's up, Collinsworth? Um, one thing, as we're passing by the statues, I just kind of will look around them to see if there's anything gathered near it, like uh, if there's any um, strange plants, strange rocks, strange items. Um, you know, I'm, I'm like sitting here thinking like, okay, these are here for a reason. And if they're anything like fountains where we grew up, maybe there's, you know, like coins near it, mm -hmm. something like that. Offerings. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, what's interesting about this is that the statues face toward you. They don't face toward the mountains. They face toward people who would ascend the pass. So the first thing you would, that would seem to indicate is that um, you're paying tribute to the crouching one or the god the demon's name may be indeed you find at the foot of both statues are these stone bowls and in the stone bowls there have been petty offerings made so um you find some incense that may have been burning there an old candle some dried blood a sheaf of wheat that's frozen and breaks when you touch it a uh, blue flower that grows, you know, on graves that has wilted inside of it. There are a handful of brass pennies inside one. Um, so what you're saying is Cole Keith has been by because there's a blue flower. That's right. That was <laughs> intentional, by the way. Uh, there's a, there's a, a knife that has rusted um, with age. There is a broken sword in one of them. There are a pair of finger bones that are attached to a leather necklace. There's a dried cat's eye, an agate, that is considered a talisman among most cultures. There is a pristine left boot. And there is what looks like a, um, a peacock's feather that has, uh, of course, in time has kind of wilted and looks a little poor but um there are all those are the offerings that have been found inside these stone basins i think i'll uh take out a sprig of animal bane and uh place it in there okay so you place one dose of animal bane inside the inside the uh in the stone offering bowl will anyone else make an offering it's like uh, throwing coins in a fountain. Right? I am one for superstition. Put a handful of oats in. Okay. Anyone else uh, pay I'll, tribute to these strange gods? Yeah, I'll, I'm gonna, I'm gonna donate a 
a day's worth of my own provisions. Okay. Keegan pulls a ring off of his finger and drops it on there. Okay. Everyone who made a a petty offering to a foreign god gains one conflict. <laughs> um, Osbert, you feel that you're, when you kind of place the provisions in there, it doesn't feel right. I didn't, I didn't think it would fulfill that. I just, I, I wanted to do it because I felt it was the oh, right thing. Oh, to I do. know. Oh, yeah. I know. <laughs> and, yeah, I and didn't it, think, I didn't, that's yeah. not a blood sacrifice. <laughs> no, you still get a, you still get a strange kind of, it's almost like when you place it inside the bowl, like, it, like the hackles rise in the back of your neck, Osbert. Like you're, you. This is the same thing you saw in your dream. Um, like it was as it took shape. Like parts of the dream were still kind of in the back of your head. You can't remember precisely everything, but this thing, this huge statue. Keep in mind that if we're talking about, um, if we're talking about actual kind of what size things would be imagine this is the statue right and this just right here above my fingers is the height of you so that's kind of what you're looking at if you can see this mm -hmm. up close mm -hmm. and this yeah. is how tall somebody is compared to the statue here it's huge they stand you know 10 feet high and five feet at the base and there are these what look like crouching men with with four sets of arms kind of hold one set of arms holding their belly the other holding on to their kind of cross over their shoulders like this like they're like they're getting the heimlich maneuver whereas the other pair of arms are crouched around the belly like the poison cradle and atop the is like this weird skeletal head with these large bulbous stony looking eyes in these rows of rounded teeth that actually extend behind its ears to the back of its head where there's yet another set of eyes it's the, and it sits upon this like fat pedestal almost like a buddha to some degree but not looking like a buddha it just kind of sits cross-legged um, and upon each end of its foot is a hoof and this is the crouching one <clears throat> you you make your offerings or anything else you wish to do before you go through the snowberry pass No. All right. I'm going to wait till everyone can't see me and uh, I'm going to cut myself and drip a few blood drops of blood just to see how it makes me feel. Okay. Well, the, the, the blood begins to dribble and then before you realize it, you're bleeding profusely with just a slight nick. And the, and the um, bowl seems to lap up the blood as it seems to soak into all the offerings the oats the oats in particular seem to soak up the blood um as you cut deeper than you certainly ex expected to um and as you turn around you all realize osbert's not with you and he kind of he he falls to the ground his hand is bleeding all over the place as you move one step down the damage condition track, but you do not, you do not suffer any injuries due to it. Um, but you're bleeding at this point. Okay. Uh, I don't have any bandages on me, so um... doctor, doctor, 
Oh, does someone need a doctor? What's the worst that can happen? <laughs> Osric kind of squints at you angrily. Doesn't say anything. Yeah, yeah. As James Coventry comes up fast and Calvin will gain one conflict as Osbert is literally bleeding out. Um, Calvin <laughs> will come up and he will, he won't cauterize the bleed, but he'll just quickly bandage you um, to apply a tourniquet. Uh, it's a very, very, very deep cut. Um, much deeper than you had anticipated, Osbert, almost as if it was not your hand that was guiding the knife. Um, as you make your appropriate sacrifice of once for once for thee and thrice for a friend. Um, so fortunately, it's not a friend. It is once for thee. <laughs> um, so uh, as this happens, um, you're no longer bleeding, which is what you're saying. You're asking, what's your brawn bonus? The brawn bonus is five. You would bleed out in five minutes. That's how deep this cut is. Like, imagine... You know, uh, so content warning. Imagine somebody who sliced their wrists not across the street but down the road. Like it bleeds profusely, and it's not like a, my fingertip is bleeding. It's like, oh shit! I just opened my whole hand up. Uh, it's bad. Um, and by the time that, unfortunately, it's your offhand. By the time that Dr. James Coventry gets you bandaged up, as he's kind of stuttering his entire way through it. Oh, oh, my dear. Oh, oh, excuse me. Oh, oh, my goodness. What are you doing, clumsy? As clearly your hand, quote, slipped, um, he will bandage up your off hand and the bandage is covered in blood. Like, you feel that you're, you feel that you have satisfied uh, the Faustian bargain for now. <laughs> Unfortunately, your, your test failed. Um, <clears throat> and you know when you fail uh, that you have to fulfill some obligation regardless. There's always an obligation. Mm -hmm. The obligation uh, is always always there, no matter what, in exchange. But if you fail, you also you still have an obligation, a dark obligation, <laughs> uh, in this case, um, to do what you just did. So, um, I think it's not necessarily want to stop here, but I, but it is 10:41, and yeah. it's probably best mm -hmm. to kind of continue our journey next week. So. Um, everyone, uh, we played for what, two hours? So 50 reward points for that. Um, yeah, if you play, if you play for at least a half hour, it always rounds up to the nearest hour. So I think it's two hours we played, right? Do you think that's what it was? I don't know. Um, Seems I mean, right. unless you want to count our, you know, and oh. enter and, you know, our, little session stuff, stuff Ab absolutely we'd we'd absolutely count that yeah so we start around eight o'clock is that right i think so mm -hmm. yeah so yeah for so it's 75 reward points my apologies okay. yeah that absolutely counts like the games you get reward points for every hour that you play the game session so that's part of gameplay um let's uh let's 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 obviously roll for conflict um i'm gonna roll 1d10 who had conflict this game session i did i did i had a couple Oh shit! Yeah, that's right. I think you're already ten. Ooh, hoo, hoo. so flaw rank oh, automatically. Yep. Um, the value is two for tonight. Oh, nice! I get Ooh. a conflict. You get a a uh, flaw rank. Yeah. 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 Remember, if you gain nothing, um, you can choose to gain a flaw or a belief rank. It's entirely up to you. Um. So, so we had kind of an abbreviated session. Um. 
and we've had a you know we had some story building stuff happen we at least got here some time has passed like let's talk about kind of like how the story impacted your character like did your character's relationships change did they fail in a personal endeavor did the story lead to new understandings or challenge or belief in flaw um let's start first with adam uh well you know as far as my my challenge and i and my flaw like i don't really see too much where it was um it was a lot of the same old same old you know um and he actually wasn't exuding any laziness um and there really wasn't much adventurousness or love or anything like that so yeah as far as that goes i i can't really think of too much so you don't think the story impacted your character at all this game session just to be clear oh okay yes i do think that the story impacted him yes um i was i was talking about specifically just the ah okay belief in the flaws so yeah just just a quick real quickly to interject remember this post-game debrief is really to talk briefly about how the story impacted your character Ah. examples could be and a personal endeavor, did relationships change, you get new understandings, something challenge your beliefs and flaws, but ultimately you're really talking about how the story impacted your character for this game session. Yeah, I think um, him just deciding to initiate a conversation with someone and, and lead that conversation without really waiting on clumsy was kind of new for him. Mm-hmm. Um, Maybe he was starting to get uh, more comfortable with being in the area. Uh, that's definitely one way that he grew. Um, another thing that affected him was just kind of coming up here and seeing like evidence that perhaps these old gods um, do exist outside of um, uh, Aglador. And yeah. that was kind of a revelation for him. Mm-hmm. Um you know, and, and also just like seeing these old gods again, because they're really like not talked about very much um, back home. Like some, somehow they may, they may be like just in stories and that's it, you know, like fables. Um, and then, uh, uh, yeah, so that's, that's kind of some of the ways that he was affected. Okay. Let's move next to uh, Keegan. Let's talk about Kay. If we can talk about Keegan tonight, like, uh, what ways did the the story kind of impact your character tonight? Um, so actually, kind of the same way. Um, actually, speaking up and doing something on his own without having to have somebody leading him, because I think the one place that Keegan does feel he's um, confident, if you will, would be household. And so, you know, going over discussing the provisions and everything is where he finds himself actually being able to somewhat not take lead necessarily, but um, go without direction. Yeah. And of course, the second that it's pointed out, he, he becomes very nervous about it because he realizes <laughs> that he actually made a decision and he doesn't like that. Um, so I, I would say that's kind of like, so he, for that moment, had that moment of confidence, like the, the unintended, unknown confidence that quickly gets dashed when he realized that's what happened. Clumsy was just doing his best to take credit for your uh, initiative. And Keegan, Keegan is uh, very, very willing to let him. 
<laughs> so let's talk about let's move next to mike let's talk about calvin tonight let's talk about what happened i mean in the story. calvin grew by eight spells so you know <laughs> yeah but that's not story that's kind of like a mechanical choice but how did the story impact him tonight um i mean most of the game i spent copy and pasting spells but uh no i mean i don't you got to learn a couple interesting things about this uh this god in the north uh so i think that was interesting he so but he'd also got to uh butt heads with uh you know clumsy which he seems to yeah. do a lot you mm-hmm. know so that's that's always fun being like no no we're bringing the doctor you know and he's like what's, what's the worst that can happen he's like in your face this is the worst that could happen <laughs> <laughs> you know so when, he, when i say that I, I it's like me hoping something bad will happen i i know <laughs> and just because it's like i'm like i know my character can heal but would he like i guess he probably would because i mean you're still kind of a friend but yeah. uh you know i i would spend that what's it three hours the spell go, breathing into you and then going i told you so for three hours so you know <laughs> I told you so. I told you so. I told you. <laughs> are you saying that cow that is is your character a mouth breather <laughs> yeah yeah definitely definitely a mouth breather definitely so, um... I I kid of course but I mean that no that's good um let's let's move finally to uh <laughs> let's move finally to Osbert so it's funny you you mentioned the uh uh, situation with the doctor I, I i really i think clumsy really did think that uh it was the best uh you know situation to to uh not bring the doctor in terms of it's gonna save him money and time and maybe maybe the doctor deserves a break after what he did he probably feels a little bit guilty about uh how you know he he put put him out for a day or more doing the trepanation so um, but at the same time, uh, since, since Calvin and Collinsworth really did seem to want him to go along, I, I think it was kind of a pick your battle sort of leadership, uh, situation. <laughs> so he, he kind of just went along with it this time. It, you know, there's, there's probably going to be a, a situation in the, in the future that, uh, he's going to want to put his foot down on and, uh, doesn't really make sense to spend all your political capital, so to speak. Um, yeah so yeah he just kind of let it slide this time mm-hmm. um <laughs> so take take what you will about that in terms of his growth as a leader or lack thereof um and and uh in terms of uh everything else that went on mm-hmm. <laughs> in the morning uh actually and even before that uh, uh just bear with me about my thing is dying here. dying your headphones just like he was with bleeding. Oh yeah, he. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, he invoked his his Faustian bargain for, for the good of group. I might add, mm-hmm. um, and uh, <laughs> you know, yeah. I think I think he he takes that uh, in stride. You know, not not everything goes as it should every time, and it doesn't really regret what he did he would definitely do it again yeah i mean i think the important thing to remember and i think that's that's really good um i think the important thing to remember is that you know in 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 zweihander we had disorders which were a result of you know lots of flaw ranks right and that's kind of the same thing behind 
a trauma. Like a trauma is something that they have gained because of some dire outcome in their life. Like, and, and not all, not all traumas are supernatural. This one happens to be supernatural. So maybe Osbert, you may want to start thinking about um, what caused that trauma for them. Um, and not in a comedic way, but like in a, but something that seriously impacted Osbert. Like, because that's the reason why you have Faustian bargain. It's a reason mm-hmm. why you have this, 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 this ability, this power. Um, or this, it's, it's, it's a power, quote, power, but really it's an adaptation to the, the darkness trying to pull you in. Um, it's trying to lure you, you know, you've sold some part of your soul away for something. Um, so think about that. Um, maybe if we can talk about it, maybe in, in game sometime, something will come up. So um, I think we're, I think this is probably the end of it. Uh, everybody gets 50 reward points for that. Um, good, good kind of post, post. Hmm. Um, we will continue obviously next week. If you're listening to this on Patreon, I think we're already at least one. We'll be at least one week through Kickstarter. So um, I'm telling you all right now on Patreon, I'm going to send you the quick start when we launch uh, next on October 5th, uh, probably around noon, so that you. Excuse me, I sneezed off camera uh, or off mic, um, so that you all have a copy of it. Um, please do follow uh, the Kickstarter. If you like the quick start, please help us by backing Flames of Freedom. A um, little bit of information, if for some reason this is released first, we are doing a pledge level for marginalized communities. So um, if you just can't afford a Kickstarter right now, we understand that it's people have been impacted by COVID, people have been impacted um, for, for a myriad of reasons. We are offering a less expensive pledge level to help kind of help with monetary uh, challenges, especially if you want to get the game and you just don't have enough money for it. So um, we do have that pledge level available. Um, but nonetheless, um, thank you all for listening. Thank for patrons. Thank you for your patronage. Uh, new listeners, thank you for tuning in. This was session seven of Desperation Point. And as a reminder, this is completely unplanned. There is no preparation between game sessions on my part. Um, I am merely referencing our old wiki that we have a bunch of kind of stuff sitting around in it and using it to help kind of guide, uh, create some kind of checkpoints on our, on our map as the characters or players make choices and stories kind of ensue. So um, if you like Desperation Point, uh, help us out by becoming a patron. Uh, other than that, thank you all. See you next week and uh, happy gaming. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. 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 Take care. Oh, <laughs> oh,